Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. Once again, here to talk about everything going on in the hockey world. My name, of course, is Toogie. Joined once more by one Mr. Endo Mills and returning from a brief bout of illness, it is one Mr. Sim for the win back with us. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, all the warriors are here. Like Slim Shady. <laughs> is he back? <laughs> did, he, did he even go? Technically, he's never really left. Oh, God. He's always off well, great I food mean, at competitive prices. Is this like Super Bowl halftime show coming up. Look what I'm planning. God. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're back again. This will be an interesting show. I'm sure as always, we do have a lot to talk about. We are pretty much going to get right down to business with today's show because in terms of anything viewer question related, a lot of it pertains to what we were going to talk about anyway. And in terms of a lot of the general topics of discussion, kind of the bigger topics than just within an individual game, they kind of tie into the games as well. So our job is quite easy here today. And you can make the job easier yourself when it comes to all your grooming needs, of course. I don't know. How was that for a segue? This podcast is still sponsored by our friends at Manscaped.com, of course. So again, code to get checkout, 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. Make sure to head over to Manscaped, especially for some of those holiday deals coming up. It's the middle of November already. Can you believe it? You don't want to hear it. Thanksgiving is in like a week it's nuts. Well, it's like a week and a half. Unless you're Canadian, it was last month, but nobody cares. Thanks. Christmas is like five weeks away. Shit's nuts. And <laughs> you're nuts, nuts. Shit <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew there was a segue there, and I know Endo just went for yeah. it. And as should you by using code to get checkout. 20% off your order at manscaped.com. Also want to shout out again my friends over at uh, FHM8, Franchise Hockey Manager 8, OOTPdevelopments.com. You can use code Toogie 24 fhm 8 for 10% off your order there of, again, Franchise Hockey Manager 8. It has dropped recently. It is, uh, you know, again... Pretty goddamn good, if I if I can say so humbly. I think if it if I could put a review on that, pretty goddamn good. Uh, and, and hey, if you're tired of certain sports games not improving year in and year out, FHM8 has improved year in and year out. So there's a track record there that you can be uh, happy to support. So again, Manscaped, our friends at FHM8, and there is one other uh, one other site here I kind of want to shout out, and it'll bring us kind of right into talking about the hockey topics because we're going to bring you back to Thursday and the games that happened there and the uh, talking points. But, you know, we start off that first game on Thursday. It was Edmonton against Boston um, and Emily Cave, the widow of Colby Cave, of course, former Oiler and Bruin, uh, was a part of the ceremonial puck drop. I do want to shout out emilycave.ca. You can find out more information on the Colby Cave Memorial Fund and Colby's kids there. I highly recommend you check that out because it's one of those things uh, for me personally, like, uh, you know, of all the, the things that you, you could have talked about over the past year, year and a half or so with how crazy the world's been, it it's just one of those things that, you know, you kind of almost want to push to the back of your head because it's so ridiculously screwed up to even think about the passing of Colby Cave, but in the aftermath of that, you know, as, you know, a Bruins fan, and it's been covered a lot, um, she has shown absolutely incredible strength, and again, uh, emilycave.ca for that. 
the hard transition into talking about the game itself, though, bottom line is the Oilers moved to 10-2. Uh, they beat the Bruins 5-3, and uh, it was not a very good game for the Bruins this past Thursday. Uh, the end of the game, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy essentially calling out the team for not being overly focused, and I can't help but agree. Like, the only real bright spots, like Pasternak continues to heat up a little bit. He only has four goals on the year. <clears throat> Someone else has, like, 11 that we'll talk about in a second. Chris Kreider has 11, too, now, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. So that's a little bit concerning. Uh, Brad Marchand scored his sixth, but... On the flip side of that, you have like Leon Dreisaitl scoring his 11th and 12th goals of the season, one of which was the easiest goal he's probably going to score this year, barring an empty netter. So I don't have too much to talk about when it comes to this game. We'll talk about the Oilers in a little bit as well, especially one Connor McDavid. We'll talk about the Bruins again in a little bit as well, but this is one of those games that I really kind of wanted to push out of my memory because it was a very bad performance by yeah. Boston. Now, I don't see it listed here, but are we going to talk about um, the whole, now that's being brought up kind of again, because there's that very blatant trip that went uncalled for McDavid. Yes. We're talking so about, I, that. I yeah, was, about that later. I okay. was going to hold off on mentioning that until we my talk bad. about John Tortorella. I didn't see it anywhere. A little bit. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, trust me. I, I was going to put it there, but I'm like, well, it's kind of goes well, along with the Tortorella talking you know, point. So, we'll get to so that. So you don't seem like a biased Bruins fan. We'll point out, yes, a blatant trip happened. Oh, that trust me. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that trip a bit more in yeah. depth in a bit, but I pointed it out on Twitter when that happened. Okay. I just laughed. Like, I just laughed. It was, that was actually probably my biggest takeaway from this game is getting what has to be the most blatant example of a non-call against Connor McDavid yeah. that I've seen all season long because it was, it was abysmal. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll get to talking about Edmonton and all that with Connor in a little bit. We'll talk about the Bruins a little bit later on as well. And two other teams we'll be talking about a little bit today. They, they played on Thursday. Montreal beat Calgary 4-2. to which is not a headline I was expecting, nor was I expecting to see that Ben Sherratt and Nick Suzuki both scored their fourth goal of the year in the same game. Sherratt. That's got to be concerning if you're a Habs fan. <laughs> um, a highlight of this game, Brendan Gallagher scored his third of the year and I think was immediately cross-checked into the boards by Eric Goodbranson. Uh, no supplemented discipline off of that, but uh, nearly started a line brawl, which, I mean... Hey, if you're Erica Branson, that's probably your best bet to find success on the ice, right, boys? Yeah. Like, hey, try to injure the other team's best player. What else Man, are you really going to do? That reminds me. Who was that back in the day? I think it was on, like, the Capitals, who just railed a guy after he scored. Ugh. He was, like, this like well-known agitator, like, from back in, like, the early, well, mostly the 90s and shit. Ah, shit I can't remember. Anyway. I mean, uh, Hunter. It's got to be Hunter, right? Yes. Dale Hunter? Was it? Maybe. It might have I mean, been. It's got to be. Like, if, if I think of well-known agitator on the caps from yeah, it had to that be. era, it, it would have been. I remember watching it and seeing it once again and getting reminded of it when TSN used to do well, those countdowns of, like, the best yep. agitators. Dale Hunter. Dale Hunter. Dale Hunter. When, okay, was it? All when right. you type in Dale Hunter on Twitter, or excuse me, on YouTube, the autofill for Dale Hunter, the first result is Dale Hunter cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> So, the legacy you know, is alive. Oh my god. It's it is intact. It might have been God, was it the Pierre Turgeon hit? Because that's one of the top results as well. Like, There's it, it after was, he scored, yeah, he just the laid him out. And then like hit. does the interview. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I didn't see it go in. You know, when I watch it back, I'm like, oh god, it went in. <laughs> Motherfucker had his hands up for like two seconds and he's just Oh my god. I didn't see oh. it happen. I had no idea he scored. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, very similar to that. Uh, for Calgary, the only real good point of that was Andrew Mangiapane as well continues his incredibly hot start to the season. He has nine goals on the year. And there was a lot of talk about Mangiapane when there was the conversation of like, oh, is the Jack Eichel trade? And okay, Kachuk wouldn't have been involved, but Mangiapane. I don't know, man. I don't think I would have been cool as a Flames fan if Mangiapane was involved. Me neither. You know, if there had to be a roster player uh, of someone of at least Alex Tuck's level who did end up going to Buffalo in that Eichel trade, I don't, I, I, I can't imagine Calgary would have wanted to give up Mangiapane either. I think nope. it would have had to have been someone else. I wouldn't have been cool with that because he has been fantastic. And you could argue like, oh, we'll sell high. But I like if you look at the trend for Mangiapane, he's just gotten better and better. And he's still year in, in and year out. So. Mid-20. When is he 24? I 25? think he's 25. I'm looking it up right now. I remember because in, in NHL 15 or the NHL he's 25. Legacy, I, I used to grab him in franchise mode. He always turned out to be a nice little... Uh, Sniper. So yeah, yeah dude, twenty five. He was good for him. He was a low, uh, a low draft pick as well. Jesus, was he round? I think he was round six. What in twenty fifteen? What a boy. He was around, dude. That sixth round huh. in twenty fifteen is interesting because it also includes uh, John Marino. Uh, for the Oilers, of course, at the time, and then ended up on... Oh, it's going to be LeBanc in there, couple, too, there's isn't there? There's a couple there? of notable guys. Mason Appleton was in the sixth round that year. There was... It was LeBanc? Because I know he was a sixth round. I don't know. It might have been the year after. Uh, I don't think Kevin LeBanc was LeBanc that year. He was not. Okay. Shout out to my... Might have been 16 going then. nuts. I can't remember, but, but I know uh, he was a sixth rounder. <laughs> but now he's a fourth yeah, liner. so... There you go. Fourth line, Kevin LeBanc. We'll talk about the Sharks in a little bit, too. Don't worry. They had a couple of games here. Yeah, they had some um, games. Leafs as well. <laughs> Another team where it's like, hey, let's talk about them a little bit later on once we kind of look at the end yeah. of the week that was for them. Uh, the Kings beat the Sens 2 to nothing on Thursday. The only real highlight of this, I mean, Anze Kopitar with his eighth goal of the year because he's timeless and I love him. And uh, Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick with a shutout. I don't know the last time Jonathan Quick ended up with the shutout. This could have been his first one in a while. But, uh, hey, sends or not, a shutout for Jonathan Quick. And all I can say is that that's neat. That's just neat Yeah, for Mr. Quick. <laughs> I know Sin won't give him any compliments, but... I mean, Quick exists. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> He's one he no, he, he was he was he was he was he was phenomenal for for a short amount of time. I don't think he's got it in him, but you never know. Again, if the Kings can get a great defensive system around him, the dude thrives as long as he doesn't have to make those secondary and tertiary saves too often while he's doing the splits. Um, mm. Then he's he's phenomenal. His his last three games have been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Nine forty three, nine forty three, and a win against St. Louis, and nine seventy one, and a win against Toronto, and then the thirty four save shutout against Ottawa. Jonathan Quick bringing it back from a decade. Yeah, ago. his last shutout from what it seems to be uh, was February seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, so it's recent. Yeah. I, I would have thought it would have been at least last. Year, Actually, wait a to second. Be honest, so you got one on the seventeenth, you got one on the twenty second. So he he's had he had some shutouts streaky. last season. Yeah, huh. very streaky. Yeah, there you go. Uh, speaking of of streaky as well, it was a good uh, good. Toss-up transition there. Uh, the Devils beat the Islanders 4 to nothing, uh, which is weird because normally when we talk about shutouts and the Islanders involved, it's Ilya Sorokin yeah. uh, getting one this season. Um, 
In- interesting notes out of this game. First and foremost, uh, for the Devils. Thomas Tatar finally scores a goal. It took him 12 games. Um, he was someone, when he signed as a free agent, that I looked at to say, he'll he'll probably do pretty good. And it's been a real slow start for him, so Habs fans feeling pretty vindicated right now, I would imagine. Uh, Dawson Mercer already has his fourth goal of the year in this rookie race in which he didn't start the uh, regular season on the Devils, so he's been phenomenal. Uh, Dougie Hamilton got his third, but the highlight was obviously the shutout. And it was Mackenzie Blackwood's third 40-plus save shutout of his career. And, of course, he's only been a starter for a few seasons now. Martin Brodeur only had two shutouts of 40-plus saves or more. That makes sense. So, it, it well, it makes sense in the way that, like, the Devils played the, the vicious trap, trap yeah. and Brodeur would face, like, ten shots a game. <laughs> yeah. So, that wasn't overly surprising to see. But still, only two does seem low. But that just goes to show what a stranglehold. Uh, the Devils would underput opposing offenses on yeah. because they just they just did not surrender shots. Uh, for the New York Islanders, uh, big news perhaps of the past couple of days: Leo Komarov has left the team and is on his way back to the KHL. I believe with SKA St. Petersburg. Uh, you know, he was it, it was probably the right move. I mean, it's good for the Islanders in that. They free up a decent amount of cap space by, you know, handling the move the way that they handled it. And Leo uh, really did the team a favor on the way out to allow them uh, to not be on the hook or, uh, yeah, let's go with on the hook for his particular contract. So it gives them some maneuverability heading into uh, really the rest of the season, especially the trade deadline. And for Komarov, I mean, he's 34. You know, he still has some time to play some, uh, some decent hockey over in the KHL, but it's it's very clear that he was never going to hit the consistent like 30-point score that he once was for the Leafs. I mean, you know, he scored 19 goals for Toronto in 2015-16. Like, that wasn't going to happen again. So I feel like it was the right time for him to move on. Yeah. Endo, I want to know from you, though. Memories of Leo Komarov, oh, if any. Man. Uncle Leo. <laughs> Love him to death. Uh... Noted all-star, NHL all-star, uh, Leo Komarov. <laughs> was he really? Yeah, he was, because this. it was a part of that season where we were just absolutely dog shit uh, in the tank for Matthews, and we just we sent him to the all-star game because he was, like, the team's best player and best Oh, performer. yeah, you had to – that was when they were, like, you had to send someone, huh? One rep and then, like, two fans. Gergensen's. Yeah. <laughs> God, who – okay, so hold on. Let's just – Martin let Jones is an all-star if, one year, guys, remember? Scott – Fucking right. what's 1516. All right, hold on. So he was an all star in the 1516 season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. If it wasn't him, okay, so in terms of leading scorers on the Leafs 1516 roster, oh boy, Leo Komarov was third with 36 points. Endo, can you name the top two point getters on the Toronto Maple Leafs from the 1516 season? Uh, I know number one was Nazem Kadri for sure. Correct, with 45 points. Uh, number two, it's probably something something ridiculous. Like not even like a top uh-huh. six. It's not a top six. Watch it be someone um, like, like a fringe top six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fuck, who was even on that team? Uh, so in fourth was Morgan Riley, yeah. also with 36 points. Tyler Bozak was fifth with 35. Joffrey Lupel. 
not Joffrey Lupul. Oh, he was on. L- he was on LTIR. Oh wait, yeah, he only played forty six games. <laughs> Stefan Robida, what the fuck? I don't Anisimov. Anisimov. Not Artemis. Nope. I don't, Anisimov. Did Anisimov ever play for the Leafs? No. Didn't he? I don't think so. No. Who I don't think so. Who, who am I thinking of? They're, they had a Russian know. dude that so played with him. So this player <laughs> is a former Portland Pirate, most importantly. Okay. But a, a former member of the Chicago Blackhawks for five games, the New York Rangers for 22, the New York Islanders for two seasons. He was on the Avs, the Habs, the Leafs, the Devils, the Preds for eight Wait a games. second. Wait a second. I know who this is. Is this Turtleneck Man? No. Oh, is this about Placanics? It's, it's way later. Nope. Oh, Not Placanics. Uh... So this team featured great names such as Peter Holland. Brad Boys, Sean Mathias, Colin Greening, Daniel Winnick, but hmm. the man who was second in points, P.A. Parento. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that, that. That is how hard the Leafs were tanking to get Austin Matthews. P.A. Parento was the leading goal scorer with 20 goals in 77 games. He had 41 <laughs> points. He went from, like, cap ceiling Ooh. to, like, cap floor to, like, cap ceiling in, like, three years. That is impressive. There has to be an award for that. The incompetency he was, award. He was an okay player, by the way. He had 67 points. Didn't in, he played uh, the abs the year before that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two years before. Okay. Yeah, he spent two years on Colorado between 2012 and 2014, one year with the Habs in 14-15, and then one season with the Leafs. <laughs> he just bounced around yeah. a ton. So shout out to, oh yeah, that guy, yep. P.A. Parento. P.A. He'll forever be one of those guys. P.A. that guy, Parento. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, and as well, uh, shout out to Andy Green. Now, we're recording this on a Monday. He'll be playing in his 1,000th game tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, you know, um, a Devils legend. Played game number 999, I do believe, against uh, New Jersey as well. So, shout out to Andy Green for that longevity. Then, in another team that we'll talk about later on, because something interesting happened last night. Pittsburgh beat Florida. 3-2 to two in a shootout on Thursday. Nothing overly notable. I mean, Evan Rodriguez has four goals. 1C, Evan Rodriguez, uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sasha Barkov scored his ninth of the year. And then probably the biggest story on Thursday. Washington beats Detroit 2 to nothing. Eight years after being drafted, Zach Fucale records... His first career shutout, his first career win in his first career game, the 26th player in NHL history to ever do that. And this was just awesome. Like, this is going to be known as one of the moments of the season because, you know, you look back at that particular draft and really around that time, and it was a minefield for goaltenders. In terms of the drafts. And, you know, to, to finally see Fukale get that chance and, and figure it out was, I don't know, man. It was pretty damn cool. And he didn't do it for Montreal, which for me is a big time boost. Yeah. <laughs> so was he drafted at 18? So he was like 26 at making his NHL debut? Yep. Yeah. Wow. 26 years Good old. Him. That's awesome. He was the 36th overall pick back in 2013. Ooh, that was an early pick. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, he was the he was the first goalie drafted in 2013. Who else? Went? Also in the second round, uh, Tristan Jari went 44th. Oof. Uh, Dallas also in the second round took Philippe Derocher. And Eric Comrie to Winnipeg also went okay. in the second round. So I guess um, we we're figuring out goalies and how they worked at dude, that this, point. This goalie draft was awful. Yeah. Third round: Spencer Martin to Colorado, Eamon McAdam to the Islanders, Marcus Hogberg to Ottawa. He's at least played games. Yeah. Like the only real notable goalies in this draft: UC Saros in round four. Yeah. Which oh, okay. well, there you My go. Boy. He only went in the fourth round because of his height. Um, Cal Peterson went in round five to Buffalo. Sorry, Sabres fans, for mentioning that Cal Peterson was a, a Sabres pick. I know they don't like to hear that. Uh, shout out to Christos Gudlevskis, who was also a fifth-round pick. Uh, and Anton Bebo, Leafs okay. and Sharks legend Anton yeah. Bebo. <laughs> oh it was basically UC Soros, uh, Cal Peterson, and, and Tristan Jari. Yeah. A whole bunch of misses from there. And the Preds boy. just go from one great Finnish goaltender to another. <sighs> yes. Yes, they do. Um, God. I think yeah, we'll be talking about the we'll be talking about the Preds a little bit later on as well. See, this is the thing, right? Like we we record on Mondays and Thursdays for the moment at least. So Monday's show, we always have Thursday and then the entire weekend to talk about. And always by Monday, Thursday, even though it, it just happened, it seems like forever ago, yeah. because that's how quickly the news cycle moves on. But yeah, just an incredible story for Zach Fucale. I think any like end of year highlight will definitely have that moment there. Um, and speaking of UC Soros, we're talking about the Preds now. They beat the Blues four three in overtime. In terms of hot players this year, like oh, you're still that good, huh? Or oh, you refigured it out. Matt Duchesne scored his seventh and eighth goals uh, on the year, including the OT winner. In this game, for comparison, uh, on the Blues, Tarasenko scored his fifth, Jordan Cairo his fourth and fifth. Matt Duchesne's reemergence has been something else this season. Didn't we have He's him as trade bait? He's like, this is his final year, isn't it? Um, Final year in terms <laughs> contracts, of... Uh, like contracts? No, Wait, so he signed, he signed that gigantic oh, contract. right, 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 right. He has uh, four years left at an $8 million cap hit. Okay. I don't know. My, my brain's not working, apparently. I thought we were talking about someone for like... Are a, you thinking maybe on Nashville it was Eckholm that was trade bait and then they ended up re-signing him? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Eckholm was the guy. Or, or we mentioned fight. Duchesne for some goddamn reason. Probably to make fun of him for being shit, and now here he is. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe the expansion draft, if I'm not mistaken, I don't recall exactly, but I feel like maybe there was at least the conversation as to whether or not Duchesne and Ryan Johansson would be available for Seattle to take, or maybe uh, the Preds would uh, give up some assets to get Seattle to take one of those two. Okay. Ah, turns out Seattle should have taken Matt Duchesne. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, he'd, be, you know, he'd be a decent little fit for a 1C right now on that particular team. We'll talk more about Duchesne um, in a minute as well. Uh, we'll get to the first Sharks game that we have to talk about. Sin, it's been uh, been a week since we've heard you discuss the yeah. Sharks. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets beat them 4-1 to one on Thursday. Kyle Connor, his 10th. I will always talk about Kyle Connor. And uh, PLD with his 8th of the year. Uh, any recollection of this particular game, Sin, even though you were under the weather that day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, zero penalties uh, called for <laughs> against the Jets. Not that the Sharks like played the their asses game. off. game. 
Like, yeah, again, not that the Sharks really played well or deserved to win, but I mean, like, it's kind of ridiculous when the game was being played the way it was with all the bullshit that was happening between the two teams and a lot of the, uh, for some reason, a bunch of bad blood between us and zero penalties were called on the Jets. Again, not going to say that it would have changed the outcome in a huge way, but you never you never know. Maybe you could have got an extra friggin' goal. But yeah, it was just a rough game. The, the Sharks missing all those players really have, has been starting to catch up on catch up to them. And it was really kind of, you know, evident in a game like that when the Jets are finally figuring their crap out and uh, playing the way they want. But, hey, I mean, Sharks are still in the positive. So what else do you want? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about another another Sharks game as well from, from Saturday before I kind of get oh your boy. general thoughts on what's going on. Best one. Uh, with the team as of the last two weeks, there is... Again, other teams, though, that, okay, well, it's mentioned Thursday, and then we'll talk about, once we mention them for the final time, we'll get into their topic of conversation for them, which brings me to Colorado beating Vancouver 7-1 to on Thursday. Don't worry, we'll be talking about the Canucks a bit more in depth, uh, but I, really from this game, the only thing for Vancouver, it's like, oh, Nils Hoaglander scored again. Like, that's that's a positive um, Miko Rantanen scored his fourth and fifth. Landeskog scored his fifth. It was just domination yeah. by the Avalanche, despite, uh, again, the lack of Nathan McKinnon, which is a promising sign for them. But, my God, for Vancouver right now, uh, like I said, we'll get into it uh, a little bit more towards the, the end of the show. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Minnesota Wild 3-2, to two, highlighted by the fact that Paul Cotter and uh, I believe it's Jonas Ronberg uh, both scored their first career goals, former London Knight. Paul Cotter. Um, shout out to Ryan Hartman, though, for Minnesota, who has seven goals on the year. Yes, Ryan Hartman has more goals than notable players, such as David Posternock. I'm worried. <laughs> I can't even play it off and be like, I'm not concerned. No, that's that's horrifying. I think that's horrifying to a lot of people. Where it's like, oh, cool, our star player has, like, five goals, and Ryan Hartman has seven. But good for Ryan Hartman, who... Um, Bounced around a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. What, Chicago, Philly, Nashville? And I think he's finally found a home in Minnesota. And the final game on Thursday, the Anaheim Ducks beat the Seattle Kraken 7-4. to um, I mean, there are some talking points. You know, like Jared McCann had a two-goal game. He's up to five on the year. Jordan Eberle has eight on the year now. But Troy Terry, who again we'll talk about. I hate to keep kind of pushing this down the road. We'll talk about him more. He scored his 10th and 11th goals of the year. What? Now, one of the questions we were asked, and I'm sorry, uh, I can't look it up uh, as fast as I want to here, but one of the questions we were asked was like, oh, who are like your early predictions for the Olympic teams? And again, we'll get into all of the Olympic coverage come this February. We're going to be on that for sure. If Troy Terry doesn't make the U.S. roster at this point, I'm going to be furious. Yeah. I am going to be absolutely furious. Like, no more of this, no offense, but like Team Canada in 06 bullshit where it's, oh, we got to stay loyal to the guys that have been, go with the hot hand. There is no re like, I'd be like, okay, Sochi, all right, TJ, yeah, you scored once, we'll send you, okay, you scored twice, but we got to give other guys a, a chance. They might not be as hot as you right now, but we got to give other guys a chance. No, go with the hot hand. Troy Terry should 100% be on the U.S. Olympic roster already. I'm calling it. It's it's going to be absurd. I am going to be very upset if he's not. Yeah. As much, as difficult as that may be for Sin uh, to say as I a, don't care. 
I, I don't I don't mind the Ducks, you know. <laughs> I got Fair. one of my best one of my good friends is a, you know, Ducks fan. I worked with, you know, their organization on some esports stuff. I have more of a soft spot now than I've had forever. We'll see what happens when the Sharks face from the play goes by the wayside and I hate them again. Yeah. As my go. So again, yeah, yeah, you're breaking up a little bit. It's okay. We'll wait for that to clear up, but yeah, no, Troy Terry is ridiculous and again, someone else that we'll mention in a little bit. We'll move on to Friday's action, though, as, you know, we, we, we start off by mentioning that the Bruins clearly did some damage to Edmonton because the Oilers played the next night and lost 3-2 to Buffalo. Uh, so the Bruins get to claim that victory in the points, please. Um, highlighted by two players in particular, Dylan Cousins, his second and third goal of the year, because, of course, uh, he shows up in a big-time way. One of the goals, he had Connor McDavid right on his back. How's that for goal of the year, contender? Uh <laughs> You know, 13th and 14th goals of the year. Ridiculous. And um, Stuart Skinner was, was in net for the Oilers. And I I got some slack on, on Twitch with the old uh, NHL 22 roster editing process by, you know, perhaps underrating Stuart Skinner a little bit. But I think it's been a little bit clear while Mike Smith has been hurt that Stuart Skinner might not quite be ready for prime time at the NHL level. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there to uh, any Oilers fans that were upset with me. I would pull the the string to release the balloons and the banner that says I was right, but we don't have that in the budget currently. Uh, but we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. I agree. I watched him play, <laughs> and um, I think. Guys, uh, people who don't really follow goaltenders, they think, oh, the guy played one good season or a few good seasons in the A, bring him up full-time via backup or whatever. You get, you got to wait it out. You, you have to wait it out with goalies because uh, you, you, you don't want to have a, Gary, a Garrett Spark situation where guy wins the call, they call him up immediately, and then it just falls Makes flat. a glove save without a glove. Yep. And, then, and then ruins. And then done. Your hand's done. Everything whack. Look at him now. He's a ECHLer. <laughs> Oof. No, he's uh, he's, he's will playing say. in the. Uh, I think he's actually worked his way up from the E to play at the. I think he plays with the Rain now. He's like, I think he's on an AHL contract with um with the Ontario Rain, which is a farm team for the uh, uh the Kings. Kings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, he is. Uh... God, yeah, you're right. So Garrett Sparks last year did play six games in the ECHL. He had a 9.28 though, or, probably too good for that. Lady. Orlando, uh, he's four and zero in the AHL this year though with Ontario. So there you go. Uh, I will say with Stewart Skinner, he's only played two games. One was decent, and one was really bad. I'm just giving Oilers fans yeah. a hard time because I I have to I have to strike back a little bit. Uh, speaking of striking back, I guess uh, on Friday the Leafs beat the Flames two to one in overtime. Andre Kasha, I will allow Endo the opportunity to wax poetic about him since he's somehow managed to stay healthy for a decent amount of time. <laughs> I love how the, the Maple Leafs, uh, I, I get like right now they're trying to basically have the top four who basically make all the money. And for the past years, it's been cycle guys in and out, in and out. Taking Kasha was a risk. Uh, considering like if he's, if he's healthy, he's great. If he's not, then he's mm -hmm. just another thing to deal with with the cap. And so far, it's just doing well. Uh, I hate that everything that we do, again, is theatric. It's either like a close win or it's like a like undeserved win. Uh, but, you know, 
that's that's what it's like being a Leafs fan. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got. Because again, I don't care about their team until they make it past the round one. I'll I will talk about them nicely and very matter of fact. But until they get out of the first round, I'm not gonna go stroke off anybody. You're not paying me enough to do that. You mean you're not going to stroke off Austin Matthews for scoring his sixth of the year in the OT winner when he's one goal behind Ryan Hartman? <laughs> Is that what he get paid ten, uh, over 10 mil for? Oh, I God, I keep oh, forgetting. God, I'm, I'm sorry to use Ryan Hartman in that way. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but the absurdity, to like, oh, yeah, Ryan Hartman has more goals than Austin Matthews yeah. and David Posternock. It's, it's pretty you nuts. Know, yeah, it's it's a crazy start to the season. Is the best way to sum it up. We're not done talking about the Leafs, by the way. Uh, they also played, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they played on Saturday, the very next day. Um, also on Friday, though, the Philadelphia Flyers beat the Hurricanes two to one. Just the Hurricanes' second regulation loss. Uh, another strong performance for Carter Hart, He's who ready. continues, who continues to really heat up and. Again, I I'm enjoying the fact that he's not completely cooked, right? Because call it what you will, was you know chicken or the egg, right? Like was he the issue? Was it the team in general? But bottom line is, I wasn't exactly excited to say like, oh yeah, here's this young goaltender whose you know development might have been stunted. Uh, he's played nine games and has a nine thirty one save percentage. Uh, so has Martin Jones. So, well, at least he's played four games and has a 931 save percentage. So I don't know what the hell is going on in Philadelphia. The goaltending in Philly can never not be weird as hell, can it? No. It's Elliot either horrifically was, bad yeah. or somehow they're both doing great. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's kind of nuts in that way, yeah. They've either had like crazy good guys or absolute garbage. Like Elliot at times was a wall. But then he was also just utter garbage. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's very interesting. But good for Philly. Uh, their, their fans have been through quite a bit of just waiting for a, com- a competitive. Like, is this the? Because like I feel like last year in preseason, like the beginning of the season, we were like, oh my god, the Flyers, and then they just crash landed somewhere in Emaus, which is I love saying that because it sounds like. Uh, a, a virtual mouse. Anyway, that's that's a little suburb outside of, outside of Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> like, oh my um, god, the Flyers! It's like oh my I god, might even be pronouncing it wrong, but I've seen it written. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, um, yeah, good good for them. I'm looking at Philly's goaltending, right, and like the the starters, like the clear cut starters, and obviously, yeah, it was it was Brian Elliott before Hart. And then, like, Michael Neuverth <laughs> was in the mix, who, again, so stupidly inconsistent. They had Briz for a minute, too. Steve Mason, <laughs> so stupidly inconsistent. Uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Ray Emery, inconsistent at that point in his career. Brian Boucher, Ilya Brzgalov, Sergei Bobrovsky, Martin Biron, Antero Nidimaki. Like, there was never, like, any <laughs> consistency with Flyers goaltending. They've had a lot really of former been. Sharks goaltenders. <laughs> Nittimaki. Boucher was on the Sharks for a minute. Now they got Martin Jones. You're talking about Brian Boucher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sh- Brian Boucher. Oh, my Boucher. God, he was. Yes, yeah. he was. Um, was Brian Boucher on the Sharks when he had that shutout streak? Or was That was Phoenix, wasn't it? I, I was, think that, that was, was when he was a Coyote. Well, n- um, it might have actually been on the Sharks that he had the streak. Because I know they talked. They were... 
I, I can't remember exactly, but then they, they talked, they kept bringing up that time where he played like a four overtime game and like, mm. um, it was like a zero, zero game. That was like four overtimes of him in this other goalie shut him out. So I don't, I don't, I don't actually know if the streak was with the Sharks or is yeah, you don't have to look that up. But he he was a solid again, solid kind of one B at a time where the Sharks sort of kind of needed a one B. But yeah, Boucher, Nitty Maki, now Martin Jones. Brian Boucher had a very weird career, yes, almost he did. as weird as Philadelphia's goaltending in general. <laughs> as I think the point that we get. Uh, also on Friday, the Washington Capitals beat the Blue Jackets 4-3. Alex Ovechkin, with his 12th of the year, passed Brett Hall for fourth all-time in goals. Brett Hall's son must be pissed. <laughs> was the only takeaway. <laughs> Just, I don't even know what that means. What's that in reference to? So oh. on Thursday, when you missed the show, oh no! on Twitter, Brett Hall's son... Um, I don't remember if it was thumbs down emojis, but Brett yeah, Hall's son Jude, which of course is what Brett Hall's son would be named as Jude. Hey Jude. Um, basically was <laughs> he, he posted his disapproval when Ovi tied his dad in goals. So I can't imagine how he feels now. Uh, you know, now that his dad is now fifth all time in goals. With Ovi being fourth, and obviously Mm -hmm. uh, there is a very, very good chance that Ovi passes Mario Lemieux this season as well, which is nuts. He should be more disappointed in his father and his public drunkenness, but, uh, you know, (laughs) you do you on Twitter, buddy. And him doing whatever whatever stops you from facing that horrifying truth. Dingers, dingers. Um, oh no, my dad's only fifth all-time in goals and a hockey hall of famer and like, come on now. Top five, man. It's gonna be like at least another decade before both McDavid and Dreisaitl pass him. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, hold on. If I look at the um, NHL all-time goals list, and sorry if you could uh, hear the keyboard clicking there, and if you couldn't, then hey, it's all good. I mean, so yeah, Brett Hall's now fifth all-time. The next active player, LOL, is uh, Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> Let's go. Who hasn't officially retired. Marlowe is oh, yeah. um, What's he 23rd doing? all time. I don't know, man. I feel like Marlowe is just kind of sitting there. He's but doing then after Marlowe, <laughs> there was something. I, I, saw, I saw him in a deer costume with his wife who had the headlights on her tits. I'm like, God, I love them. <laughs> like the road and her tits were the headlights and he was the deer, like deer in the headlights. Oh, my thing. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, Patrick Marlowe is officially doing. Man, they have like five young kids. Do what the fuck? Hopefully, that was an adult party. Patty, Patty, just be a dad. (laughs) It's all well and good. So, the only player, the only active player right now in the top 50 is Sidney Crosby with 486 goals. Hall has 741. It's ridiculous. No one's catching Brett Hall anytime soon. Yeah. There's just no way. And after Crosby, it's Steven Stamkos at 446. That ain't happening. And that's not happening as much. Once upon a time, maybe it would have for Stammer. But then the injury troubles were there. So, yeah, like no one's catching Brett Hall anytime soon. Then there's Joe Thornton, (laughs) uh, Patrick Kane, and then Jeff Carter also in the top. Like there's no one even in the top 100. All time in goals, which is essentially 400 goals or more. That's an active player that can realistically catch um, Brett Hall in the top five. Like I'm trying to look. Like John Tavares isn't going to do it at this point. 
I mean, he's not that type of goal scorer. Like, yeah, like Sin mentioned, it's literally going to be the likes of Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl mm-hmm. that have any short, any sort of realistic shot right now that we know of that's going to hit that marker. So, Jude, you're 27 now. Um, you'll be 37 bare minimum <laughs> by the time your dad's record is threatened again. At that point, I'll probably appreciate again. what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. Goddamn people who are 27. All of them are fucking nerds. Thanks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Sean Corrali, by the way, who scored his first and second goals of the year in that game. So did Garnet Hathaway. But I want to shout out Sean Corrali because I miss him, but I, I'm glad the Bruins don't pay him what the Blue Jackets pay him because that's just a heart and soul type of guy, and I don't know if you want to pay a heart and soul type of guy that much money. And also on Friday, uh, the final game that was there, the Chicago Blackhawks beat the uh, Arizona Coyotes because, of course, they did twelve to one. That pushed or uh, twelve to one. Jesus, it could have been. It was two to one. Coyotes are now one twelve and one. Yeah. Just did they yeah. play the game in a sewer? Because Jesus, I hope they, they did. Stink. So <laughs> sorry, I had to. Sorry, Deke. <laughs> Oh, God, the Arizona Sewer Rats. I could get on board for that oh rebrand. God. You know what's really funny? Uh, my the, te- the arena that I grew up at, um, their team name, uh, they had a select team once, and it was like the year before I started playing. And their team name was like the Bill Bolton Rink Rats. What a name. Not what the a Pizza name. Rats? <laughs> I guess. I'm so mad. I'm like, what's a rink rat? I don't know. <laughs> I guess the exterminator oh, came out and kicked out the league is holy shit. I will never not be mad about that. What Sin just mentioned. I we know. were playing NBA 2K21 uh, on stream. And we went to community creations, because obviously you can create your own team and other team, you know, other people can download the teams. First it was Dunder Mifflin, and, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so there was a Dunder Mifflin, which was just uh Michael's face as the logo. <laughs> With with the purple bandana, <laughs> a prison um, Mike. <laughs> prison Mike. <laughs> um, there was there was also I think what was it the New Jersey Pizza Rats, which was it literally just looked yeah. like a hardened Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunately, there was a glitch with the game. I still don't think they fixed it. Yeah, I don't think so. Where either. if you have that team as an expansion team, it just glitches <laughs> the whole thing out after year two or something. Like you can't. Yeah, after yeah. year two, it would just glitch it out every freaking time. So, uh, R.I.P. to the pizza rats. Rest in pepperoni. We miss you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't expect <sighs> that one. God damn it! You gotta warn me before you be funny. Jeez. Uh, oh god, it, it happens like at least once a week. Um, I'm allowed to generate one chuckle a week. And it's Monday, um, so you're, you're cut off. <laughs> yeah, I'm done for the week, guys. Don't bother checking into the stream. We're done. done Thursday show is going to suck. Oh, God. Peaking early. God damn. Alex DeBrinkett scored his eighth of the year in that game. Dylan Strom finally got his first, which is concerning, um, because Andrew Ladd has three. So that's well, how many that's games played rough. does Strom has have by this point? Because I feel um, like he's missed, like because he was scratched so or fourth lined a bunch. Yeah. So I was gonna say I remember hearing Hawks fans mention that Strom wasn't really being used properly. He has eight games played with a, a goal and an assist. But I think the general theme is that the Hawks have been doing better 
since firing Jeremy Colleton. Yeah. Who to thunk it? That guy's. Terrible. I can't believe they it. They wanted to thunk it. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. I don't envy that they're him. actually doing better. I don't envy whoever has to come in and be the GM of the Hawks. Not only with the other bullcrap notwithstanding, but like the contracts that he's coming into. <laughs> like, geez, like, hey, yeah. welcome. You have Seth Jones for nine and a half, eight years. Whew. Or is it so, nine I mean, like the Hawks because they traded. Um, it's, it's eight oh, okay. after, after this year, it's an eight year extension, but it's like, yeah, they've so won nine years. <laughs> three in a row. They've run, they've won four out of six this month. So, I mean, yeah, the Hawks are looking better, but I, I do tend to agree with sin. Like you're, you, you come here and then you're in charge of, and right now, of course it's interim GM, Kyle Davidson yeah. and interim head coach, Derek King. Whoever's next, like, not only do you have the task of taking on some interesting contracts, I mean, you know, hey, not exactly the most uh, respected people at the moment, but Kane and Taves' deals both end at the end of next season. Whoever's next in line has that very important decision of what do you do with those two guys. Team Legends... But there is now an asterisk next to them. Mm-hmm. There is. Bottom line. And the way they handled themselves or conducted themselves in the immediate aftermath of those initial press conferences did not help. They do have also as well, Alex Debrinkit is an RFA at the end of next year. So a decent amount of that case and Taves money is going to Alex Debrinkit because Alex Debrinkit, he's 23 years old. He is one of the best players in the league. I am very much and high on Alex Debrinkit. More Debrinket. leadership qualities and saying the yep. right thing than anyone else in that organization. I'm sure you guys, did you cover, like, the last time when I was out, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but you talk about how, uh, kind of, somehow, some of the court stuff is going? How the Blackhawks are, like, basically um, means testing the therapy for that 16-year-old? Yeah. Or yeah, the guy we, who we, was we touched, okay. yeah, we touched on that a little bit, and of course, the issue there is, you know, obviously, like, it, from an outside perspective, and not talking about it through the legal system, you know, the Hawks look terrible, mm-hmm. but literally any admission of guilt and they're, they're fucked <laughs> from yeah. a legal perspective. So it's not surprising, again, that they're like, well, we're not going to sit here and commit to paying you because if we do, that's an admission of yeah. guilt with everything, was, essentially. For me, it's like they are they've said, yeah, we're going to provide him therapy now. But what they've also done is they've asked for. Um, all kinds of his records, uh, school records, all this other stuff to see, oh, how has this really affected you? Like, how has this affected your life? Yep. That, to me, beyond the legality side of it, is just, again, just gross behavior. Like, I don't really think there's much of a legal reason to provide, like, I know, I mean, I know from that word, if we provide therapy, we're admitting guilt. In my opinion, no, you're doing the bare fucking minimum. And yes, you do have guilt for not, anyway, I don't want to go into yeah, major it's, it's a mess. That's just, it's It's insane. a mess. That's... That's the only way to sum it up. It's yeah. it's an absolute mess. But yeah, in general with the Hawks, I'm very intrigued to see what happens. Because yeah. again, not only is it what are you going to do with the team itself, but you're also essentially tasked with the culture change. And honestly, if I'm a Hawks fan, I don't think you're winning another cup with Kane and Taves here. I would personally, if I'm a fan of that team, trade them next year. Yeah. As those deals are expiring separately, and you have new leadership in there, make a clean break and move into a new era. I would want pretty much everyone associated with those cup-winning teams to be out right now. 
Yep. Um, just to be able to move on and say, like, just to, like not to say like you should take this standpoint just to be able to win internet arguments, but as a Hawks fan, if I put myself in your shoes, I would just want to be able to say like, okay, but everyone with that team is gone. This is a new team. It's completely different. It's di- it's different. So they're a very interesting team uh, to watch moving forward. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and we'll move into Saturday now as well. And there was a lot to talk about uh, from Saturday and Sunday here. We'll start off with the Bruins beating the Devils 5-2, to two, which was fantastic. Uh, I kind of dunked on Eric Halla a little bit, so of course he scored his first of the year, thank God. Uh, Brad Marchand with two goals, he's up to eight on the year after that, and then Patrice Bergeron scored his sixth. But again, I mentioned him earlier, Dawson Mercer gets his fifth of the year. And look, pretty much all season long, the conversation is going to be Lucas Raymond or Moritz Sider. But Dawson Mercer's already third in scoring amongst rookies this season. I mean, two less games than Lucas Raymond, but it's uh, 15 points and 16 for Raymond, 12 and 16 for Sider, and 11 and 14 for Dawson Mercer. Like, the Devils do have uh, a legitimate contender for Rookie of the Year at this point. So keep an eye out on that kid. He's... And I had um, a couple Devils fans already ask me, is it too early to get a Dawson Mercer jersey? No. No, it's not. Hop aboard that hype train. Embrace it. Because that kid's going to be a stud. It's the only way I can sum that up, really. And I feel like he's kind of doing it in a very kind of under-the-radar way. But that's because he's on the Devils. They always seem to get pushed behind literally everyone else. Even the Islanders at time. Like, just for that regional, like, you kind of almost sometimes hear about the Islanders more than the Devils. But now I think it's going to be, you know, very hard to keep them out of the conversation. I mean, just think – I'm just thinking, I you know, I love looking at them. I love – always had a sauce of a friend of them. But, yeah, look at their young core. Hughes, Mercer. You're going to have also Luke coming up. You still got – um, I guess Zaka's okay, but I mean, dude, they have like Heisher. What the heck? So Zaka's Zaka's actually is he doing the funny good? Thing now? is, <laughs> so fourteen points in eleven games. Good lord, that is the stat line for Zaka, Andreas Janssen, Dawson Mercer, Jesper Bratt, all in the top six right now. Um, the Devils are getting some pretty, pretty damn good production out of some of these younger guys, and obviously, like yeah, Ty Smith. On the yeah, back end, Jesus. Alex Holtz is a healthy scratch. And uh, I actually think I might have confused Alex Holtz with um, with Dawson Mercer in terms of who started on the, the team to begin the season, and I did. So apologies for that okay. earlier on. But that's just kind of the point is that the Devils do have some good young talent. And, yeah, well, the Rangers are always going to be at the forefront in that area. Um, yeah, they do, which is – Interesting. They didn't so send only him got back 1. to Sweden, games. or is he like aged out to do that whole back he to Sweden? He can. Uh, he can go AHL. He started in Utica, and I would probably send him back down from the looks. Interesting, of it. but but he he can't get the ELC slot because he's twenty, right? Uh, he's nineteen. What so the fuck? I think what are they doing? Contract contracts are weird. Okay. Because I know, like, <laughs> I yeah, that was the whole thing when we sent Eklund back. Unless he hasn't played. Um. Non-NHL game. But if he plays in the AHL, wouldn't that count as him essentially part of his nine-game trial? Because it is technically I professional think league. So, AHL so doesn't I think, really yeah. have a contract. Because the AHL doesn't count. It's, I mean, it's I guess really they weird. don't have any 
real big cap issues to worry about. So they're in a different situation than the Sharks. I just completely disagree with having a 19-year-old scratched uh, for any fucking reason. Yeah. Got to get, um, get him playing. Yeah. If, no, if you're not going to play him, then send him down. If, if it's past the 10-game mm. point, there's no real point of having him yeah. up there. I know, like, you lose the... I mean, if, he goes a, if, he goes if it's a game, player, yeah. you know, watch from the press box, see something new, I can understand. But if he's scratched, if he's been scratched like more than once, I'm a little weirded out by that. Yeah, I don't disagree. We'll move on. Uh, the Jets beat the Kings 3 2 in overtime on Saturday. Quietly, this, at least quietly, I feel like elsewhere, but for Kings fans, obviously not. This snapped a seven game win streak for Los Angeles. Uh, Kyle Connor's 11th of the year. Uh, Mark Shifley finally scored his first of the year. It was the overtime winner. So we've talked a lot on this show about kind of these sneaky good teams, these very tough-to-beat teams that haven't been so good as of late. And, I mean, right now, as of recording, Anaheim is seventh in the league. Anaheim, the California Gauntlet's season. back. Let's go. It really is. <laughs> it's coming like back. already. It's back. It's ridiculous. Like Anaheim is seventh in the league. Very very tough team to beat. Nashville's eleventh. They've proven to be a tough team to beat. Los Angeles is in the top half of the standings. Detroit's in the top half of the standings. New Jersey isn't looking that bad. Like there really isn't. A slam dunk victory aside from the Arizona Coyotes. Like, that's it. Like, even Ottawa and Seattle, they're both at 4, 10, and 1. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, and then obviously you have teams like Montreal, Chicago, Vancouver, where you're just like, oh, God, why are we Why are we this bad? Most group hours in um, Yeah, basically. <laughs> Poor guy, man. I, hate, I, I hyped him up so hard, too. Like, I loved him in the abs. And like, holy shit, he has been... We did talk about Rough. that on the last show Good. when you weren't here. It's just how bad the uh, how bad the goaltending's been for the Kraken because oh, it yeah. has been tragic. Yeah. Maybe but, in the first few yeah. games it was a lot on the interesting defensive system, but once the system started to fall in place, I'm just looking at I'm just seeing Martin Jones goals going, and I'm just yeah. like, oof. A lot of rebounds, uh, like I said uh, last podcast. Um, and a lot of it does relate on to the trust into the goaltenders with the defensemen as well. Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's, it's a three, it's a three team tandem, three man tandem right there. Uh, first shot, you make the save. Second shot, second rebound. That's kind of on the goalie. After the second rebound, that's on the D guys to get it out of there, hundred yeah. percent. So if, if if it's on, oh, it's on good then, uh, for you. That's rough. So yeah, fun fact. Um, <laughs> so the way we record this podcast, um, sometimes I, I forget to shut off audio uh, stuff in the background, and it happened again uh, as to where I just got a lovely little Twitch alert that everyone would have just heard. So apologies for my unprofessional conduct, but shout out to bl- <laughs> to Blessed Curves 45. <laughs> Appreciate the follow. Send picks. <laughs> Send those blessed curves. Incredible. I feel like that's gotta be fake, right? Oh, oh God. Well, so the, the episode titles right now, we have either blessed curves or rest and pepperoni for the episode title. Yeah. We'll find out if we get a third option. Um, also on Saturday, the Leafs beat the Sabres 5-4, to four, Endo. Uh, Joseph Wall gets his first win. 
despite a, a shaky performance. Um, guys, Kasha scored his fourth. Rookie of the year contender Michael Bunting got his fourth. Tavares his eighth, and Morgan Riley's first of the year was the game winner uh, for the Sabres. Shout out to Jeff Skinner with his fourth and fifth of the year. Um, your recollection of this ridiculousness, where it looks like the Leafs might have might have blown it against Buffalo at a certain point. It's always fucking theatrics. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that was the most theatrical game winner you could ever pick out of anything. Shoots a knuckle puck. Morgan Riley from the blue line shoots a knuckle puck, hits the crossbar, bounces outside of the line, the goal line, then bounces back in and scores. What Police, did I? Man. What did I say? I can't. I can't. My heart. Okay. It's rigged for ratings. Yeah. Special oh, crossbars and given the I don't know. <laughs> just, oh my god. Yeah, it is the Leafs. I mean, they you got. All things aside, they do play exciting hockey. I would hate to be a fan of them. But, like, if you think back to, like, all their games, like, remember that one game they played against Chicago and there was, like, three goals scored in the last minute and a half of the contest and Matthews and Kane went back and forth with their little yeah, little ear salutes. And, like, it's exciting-ass <laughs> hockey. I would hate to watch it because it would frustrate the hell out of me. I'm like, play defense, motherfuckers. But That was, like, the first yeah. game where everyone was like, yeah, Garrett Sparks is not the guy we need. We should have kept <laughs> Because it was like three goals back to back to back. And we're all like, why? I mean, we ended up, we ended up winning the game, I think. Yeah, and over time, I think it was like Riley coming in. Yeah. But like, we're just, that was like the warning signs. And no one else caught on to it. And this team is like super inconsistent. We can set like team records. We can do all, any NHL records you want. But can we beat the one that we have where it's like the longest like drought of a playoff? Like, of not a playoff win, but just of a cup run or of anything. I don't want to be a loser anymore. Okay. <laughs> My mom was born. You're a loser. You're a loser despite the Leafs endo. You're a loser. Maybe want a bottle. Uh, God. Oh, man. Two other teams that we have to talk about later on a bit more in depth, but the Sens beat the Penguins six to three, which was outrageous given what Ottawa's going through, which again is what I was alluding towards. Um, Tim Stutzla finally scored his first of the year. Lost. It's been a really slow start for him in that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I said bust. <laughs> <laughs> also, Norris didn't score. Fucking knew it. Bust. Hot start. He's he's done. He's done. Yeah. Send, him, send him down. As well. Send him down. Drake, Drake, <laughs> they're all bust. Drake Batherson, though. Got his sixth and seventh. No, any ill will against Drake Batherson, Sid? No, absolutely not. Good Scott guy. Scott Sabarin. Fucking Should probably be the 1C. God, yeah. <laughs> uh, and shout out to, again, Elite 1C, Evan Rodriguez, fifth and sixth goals for the year for Pittsburgh. Poor Buffalo. But also Lowell. <laughs> Lowell right? Buffalo. Evan Rodriguez Buffalo. waking up. Buffalo. <laughs> nah, it's too easy for. I think we, that has been an episode. That has, of to, have been a, that, that has to have been. Probably the one where Texky came on. Oh, and he was God. just like, everyone's trash. This whole team. <laughs> we've been trash. This whole team's trash. Ever since Jason Pominville didn't score in the conference final, we've been trash. No Pominvilles. <laughs> no, no, no. I like how we all have a really shitty architect impression <laughs> under our belt because he. <laughs> <laughs> he's my favorite trash. I love him so oh, much gotta get like super, close, super close to the mic just like I'm, I'm, I'm mad I love him. Buffalo I'm mad <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't be mad here in Buffalo 
We got Wild God. Wing. That's it. And Applebee's. <laughs> I'm going to go to the fucking Olive Garden. <laughs> you guys are trash. Unlimited breadsticks to heal my soul from this trash. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, (laughs) Final, nope, not final game on Saturday. God, there were a lot of games on Saturday. Uh, The Red Wings beat the Habs 3-2 in overtime. Dylan Larkin scored his fifth of the year, which was horrible. Like, the the worst angle. Like, he's practically in the corner with where the the line for the trapezoid meets the the, uh, half wall. My God, like that's where that's one of those goals that you see in NHL franchise mode. We're like, no one ever fucking scores from there. What is this bullshit simulation? Yeah. I can tell you. And then yeah, Dylan Larkin scores from there. Um, he also scored his sixth of the year for the OT winner in this game too. Uh, he was shoved, or as I wrote it on our sheet here, shoved. Uh, he was shoved into Jake Allen by Jeff Petrie. Uh, Allen didn't return, um, and I know I, I get five feel in confident. Game? <laughs> I don't. I might have. Um, I feel confident in saying that Larkin was shoved because the top comments in response was from Habs fans saying, "God damn it, Jeff Petrie, way to go!" So I guess the blooms off the rose with uh, Norris, winner of the first two months of the season last year, Jeff Petrie, who was dominant uh, at that point in time. But for the Habs as well, uh, rough sign when your only two goal scorers were Ryan Paling with his first of the year and Chris Weidman. On defense, mm, yes, with his second, guaranteed. So the Habs. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> I was Go ahead. Guaranteed future top six center Ryan Paling. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, the funny thing is, like, I still think he has promise a lot. He just hasn't put it together yet. Like, he's been re- he was really good in the NCAA. He was yeah. pretty damn good in the AHL so far. That's he just just me reaching back into the past and giving it to everyone, telling me he's a fucking elite. I'm like, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Yeah, the Habs just still super inconsistent. Speaking of super inconsistence, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Florida Panthers 3-2. Chippy game, of course. Uh, Braden Point scored his fifth of the year for the OT winner. He also fought Patrick Hornquist. Uh, Just two guys punching helmets and... Not doing much damage yeah. at certain points in the fight. Uh, it, man, It's every game between these two teams is interesting, right? And I'd love to see another playoff series. Um, you know, for the Panthers, though, it's like, okay, Huberto got his fourth, lots to Ryan in his fifth, but they've lost four games in a row. Absolutely have, absolutely they have been affected by Joel Quinville's departure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough to feel sorry for them in that way. Obviously, but at the same time, it's like it's not the players on the Panthers' faults. But yeah, no, this team's been on a, a bit of a slide since. I mean, no one's shedding them any tears at 10, 2, and 3 yeah. on the year, but. Um, They're going to have to figure it out. It's a little bit concerning, right? Because this team was absolutely flying high, and then, hey, oh no, it's the consequences of my actions coming back to haunt me with Joel Quinville. And it's, you know, definitely negatively affected that team. Yeah. So I do feel bad for Florida because it's like, I don't know how much they knew about that situation. But when it was going down, I mean, yeah, they probably didn't handle it super well trying to shield Quenville and all that kind of stuff. But like when they hired him, like how much of it was known at the time. So it's hard for me to blame. Like, I, I you know, fan Panthers fans and all that stuff. If they continue to slump, I will feel bad for him. But yeah, it's uh, Quenville knows what the fuck he did. 
but yeah, all of it was preventable. It looked so good for the. I know, I I know it was preventable, but I'm again, if 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 it's on the organization, if they knew all that stuff and still hired him, then I have Mm. even less sympathy. But I'm not too sure how much was even really public knowledge when that hiring went down. Or yeah, that's fair. And sure as hell, the ten fans don't deserve you know to have their team be shit again. It's fair. Uh, for the Lightning as well, I mean, kind of news for them-ish. Uh, Braden Coburn announced his retirement from the NHL after 983 games played. He was the eighth overall pick back in 2003 for the Atlanta Thrashers, a 2020 Cup champ with the Lightning, and is one of 20 players from that legendary 2003 draft class to play at least 900 games, which is just absurd. Uh, for anyone who doesn't kind of get the, the magnitude of that, that 03 draft class you'll hear referenced multiple times every single season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for good reason, because it's it's incredible. And Braden Coburn had a really, really it was strong stacked. Wasn't that Getzloff, Perry, Burns, that, that year, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Such so, a ridiculous I mean, draft year. So, yeah, that, that 2003 draft, I mean... It's, so here, let, let's not just to go through every round. name, not to go <laughs> through every name, but here are guys who have made, I mean, dude, you can, it's almost easier to count the guys who didn't make at least a one all-star game from that first round. But like, I'm looking at the, the central scouting rankings from that year for North America. Here are the top, here's the top 10 skaters heading into that draft. Eric Stahl. Dustin Brown, Thomas Vanek, Nathan Horton, Ryan Getzloff, Braden Coburn, Ryan Suter, Dion Phaneuf, Zach Parise, and then Dan Fritsch, who didn't pan out. But it's not often you're going to look at like central scouting rankings heading into a draft, and all nine guys were solid, if not great players. If not Hall of Fame caliber, potentially for someone, you know, some of those but guys. Then, like, I mean, even shit. Yeah, then the actual draft went in, and people who were drafted after that, like, have having some of the incredible impactful careers, like more than Horton, et cetera, so forth. Like, I mean, again, dude, that first crazy. round, Marc-Andre Fleury was also in that. Wow. Milan Mahalik, Jeff Carter, Brent Seabrook, Brent Burns, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, Corey Perry, Brian Boyle, Louis Erickson, Patrice Bergeron was a second rounder that year, by the way. <laughs> Shea Weber, Went uh, four picks after Bergeron. Corey Crawford went three picks after Weber. David Backus, Jimmy Howard. Like, it's fucking nuts. Oh, yeah, and some guy by the name of Joe Pavelski in round seven. Yep. Uh, and other guys in round eight. Yeah, that's right, kids. It was around eight in 2003. Toby Enstrom, Dustin Bufflin. Round nine had Yaroslav Halak in the previously aforementioned Brian Elliott. Do some research on that 2003 draft. It was nuts. Just insane. And Braden Coburn was very, very much a part of that. We're going to have more uh, people hitting 900 games for sure, I feel like. Yeah, out of that class as well, there are guys. Like I said, there's been 20 players so far. There will be more by the time everyone from that draft class retires, which is insane. Um Rangers beat the Blue Jackets 5-3 on Saturday. Uh, really only notable uh, Panarin, his third and fourth of the year. Chris Kreider, his 10th and 11th. <laughs> because Chris Kreider's been unbelievable this season. Um, and Jake Voracek finally got his first goal for the Blue Jackets. Which, oh, yeah, um, he's on the Blue Jackets. <laughs> 
Oh my god, has that, has that swap not gone well uh, for CBJ? Like, I just, oh, yeah. like, maybe there's some cap implications I'm not thinking about, but man, I can't help but wonder, like, if the Blue Jackets still had Cam Atkinson next to guys like Sillinger and Chinnikoff, like... Because Atkinson's doing pretty good, isn't he? He is doing at least very better. good. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was <clears throat> off to a very hot start. I'm going to check really quickly if he's slowing down at all. Cam Atkinson has eight points in 13 games okay. with six goals, which is Okay, that's pretty solid. Outstanding. Yeah. Voracek... Um, Should get 30. You know, guys, are you ready for me to eat crow? What? He has a bunch of assists? Does Voracek have a shit ton of assists? Voracek is at a point per game, 12 points in 12 games with one goal and 11 assists. Are they? What, oh, man. All right. Damn. Fuck. That's okay. You know what? We can salvage He's this. One of those... Are they secondary? Are they Barzal assists? Or is he getting I some primaries? Know. Are they Marner assists? I don't know, but goddamn. Like, still, I'm not wrong for saying that you'd want Voracek to have more than one goal. Yeah, but he's always yes, more of a he and Atkinson though, are different he? Yeah. He's always been more of a passer, and that's what I've heard from Flyers fans. It's like, oh, he doesn't shoot the damn puck. I just didn't expect him to have the second highest point total on the team behind Oliver Bjorkstrand. <laughs> Dude, I'm so happy about Bjorkstrand. Sorry, uh, I'm just. I, sometimes I keep, you get it wrong, everybody. Every time we bring yeah. someone up from my fantasy team, I'm just like, God damn, I made some good picks. All my sleeper picks: Carter Hart, the last one, Bjorkstrand. I got super late. Hell yeah. <sighs> Damn it, Bjork. Damn it. Damn it, Voracek. Just damn it. <laughs> we'll move on because I'm mad. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the St. Louis Blues 3-2. to two. Uh, Shout out to Brady Shea and Brendan Smith. First goals of the year. Ajo has six now. Alex Lyon, former flyer, was the winning goalie for the Hurricanes. Uh, for the Blues, like, uh, Tarasenko has six on the year. Bushnevich has four. Not too much to talk about. From what I've noticed, if I get it wrong, don't worry. Alex will tell me. You didn't mention Joel Hofer again. Um... And then the Preds beat the Coyotes four to one. Coyotes at one thirteen and one as of Saturday night. Uh, Matt Duchesne scored his ninth, and we already talked about Matt Duchesne, uh, who has already passed his goal and point total from the prior season. Yeah, Matt Duchesne. <laughs> How do you feel? About it's ridiculous. <laughs> How do you feel about giving me that that Duchesne jersey now, Doogie? <laughs> I kind of regret it, to be honest. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab it right. It's right I right. had that. I had a Colorado uh, Duchesne yeah, jersey. Yeah, I elected as, as to. Memorial. Do you want it back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, again, I bought like I bought a McKinnon jersey. I'm like, I don't need two Avs jerseys. Everything's okay. Right but that Duchesne jersey, yeah, it's kind of haunting me a little bit. Um. Also for Nashville, Roman Yossi, fifth and sixth goals of the year. He has been very, very efficient offensively, which surprises absolutely nobody because Roman Yossi is the best. No, so, he's amazing. I go. love him. Uh, uh, on side the flip note, side, can you get a Le- go ahead. LeBanc jersey and then give it away so that he can play good? <laughs> <laughs> that I, th- It's me. Yeah. I did this. You did this. You're, you're I'm the all reason why Matt Duchesne yes. is good. Yeah. Oh my God! So if anybody wants to uh, sauce me a little bit of money in a jersey to uh, to sell, then uh, hey, you know, <laughs> you too could have one of your favorite players snap out of a slump. It's me, Roman. It was me all along. <laughs> God. Oh, Jesus! This next stat makes me laugh. 
Is that that Jake Chikrin no. only has one goal on the season? No, next, next. I don't, no, I don't care. No, not that we one. Don't, no one cares uh, about Arizona. Game. Don't make Deke tap the sign. I just feel bad that Chikrin's being dragged down by this team. I know. That's all. I do love me some Jake Chikrin. Him and Keller, man. Um, oh. That guy's got like a got square it. like chin. Like He's like chiseled. And I'm like, holy shit. He's, he's the, the Giga, Giga Chad. Chad. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Giga Chad of the desert. Jake oh, Chad. God. Jake Giga Chad Chitron. You'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, much like the Dallas Stars, who finally got there yeah. when they beat the Philadelphia Flyers 5-2. That was Dallas's first regulation win How of the season. Work? What? It's your fifth win, and that's your first regulation win. Imagine. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, shout out to guys like Luke Glendening and Joe Pavelski, who have four goals on the year. Sagan scored his fifth. Uh, for Philadelphia, uh, JVR looks kind of cooked again after a great season last year. And Ivan Provorov also just scored his first. But Dallas has been one of the weirdest teams to watch over the past two to three seasons now. Where it's like, oh my god, when are they finally going to do something? Oh my god, they made it to a cup final. Oh my god, they're trash because COVID is just destroying their team. It's been a very bizarre time for Dallas Stars fans. And I'd love to know, maybe we'll have to get uh, one Mr. Twitch.tv slash OG Kevin Bacon on the show uh, <laughs> at some point, which would be a trip and a half. Oh but god. I want to know what expectations are for Stars fans at this point in time. Is it, you should at least be a playoff team? Is it more than that, less than that? I'm really intrigued to know kind of where the mindset is for the uh, the Stars fan base as a whole. The Avalanche beat the Sharks 6-2 to on Saturday, Sinski. Yes, they did. Um, the only positive note I have for the Sharks is that Logan Couture has six goals on the year now. Carl- that's, that's pretty much all I got. Carlson came back and Carlson got a point. Worth it. There you go. I didn't know he had missed any time. See, yeah, this is what happens was, when you're Carlson, not here. Yeah, it was Carlson, uh, Middleton, Vlasic, and Shimmick. They were all in COVID protocol. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jesus. I mean, in fairness, like Ottawa's outrageous yeah. disaster situation has kind of overshadowed anyone yeah. else's. I, I, will, I will say, struggles. since uh, Sharks didn't play on Sunday, there's been some talk from uh, Bugner and... Uh, He's saying, you know, that Vlasic-Shimic pairing, that he's saying below average at best, or average at best, is how they've been playing, which is damning. It's seeming like he's, you know, he's no longer trying to keep Vlasic um, afloat because we've seen, we have all these young defense, we have a logjam of young defensemen who could play at the NHL level and shut things down in a way that's more effective. I mean, hell, even in my opinion, Ryan Merkley could seemingly be a better on, on like, shut things down better than Vlasic or Shimmick at this point, which sucks, but it's also like, you know, I think Coach has completely given up on trying to keep them afloat, even for the trade value's sake at this point. It's like, you know, GM, whatever. Like, I ain't going to talk these guys up anymore. Maybe they need a kick in the ass in the media. But yeah, that was a... Uh, I didn't watch that game, fortunately. <laughs> didn't miss much. No, yeah. <laughs> Except for the Avalanche giving so, them a thrashing. But yeah. Before talking about Colorado, then... We've had this conversation about the Sharks in terms of what do they do with certain contracts. And I want to let's, – let's go with the, the question game here. All right. In terms of some of the contracts that I look at and I'm like, oof. Logan Couture, obviously going nowhere. Yeah, yeah, he's captain. He's, he's good. I love him. I mean, in, in terms of, like, how content are you with five years left after this year at $8 million? Very content. Good with that? Very content. Because yeah. – um, 
the way Couture is, uh, we know he's going to heat up in the playoffs because he always does. He is solid. He keeps developing more and more aspects of his game. He's never really been the biggest skater as a strength. Um, he's a solid skater, but as that skating game maybe you know starts to decline throughout the tail end of that contract, it won't affect him as much as, say, it did to a Patrick Marlowe who had a harder time transitioning, as we saw on the Leafs. Um, he'll be like Joe. Yeah, he'll be more like, yeah, except, you know, obviously without the uh, awesome playmaking ability. But he does a lot of good things, and he great defensive game. So, yeah, I'm not worried about that contract. Timo Meyer, I'd obviously imagine that you're maybe a bit anxious to be like, okay, he's an RFA at the end of next year, but he's going nowhere. Yeah. So that's yeah, not and, and concerning. He's, and he's having a bit of a comeback year this year. So I don't think it's enough since, especially if you're taking last year into account, it's not enough to warrant that guy, I don't think, $8 million. I'm thinking seven max if you get, and, and it should be lower he's than on seven. six now. I know, but he, it needs to be that for a longer term or nowhere really above seven, because in my opinion, he hasn't shown the consistency over the term of his bridge. That's what a bridge deal is for. It's to, Hey, hmm. during this time, can you earn this contract? Do you deserve more? And if Wilson, I don't know, have someone else, <laughs> have Wilson do the trades and all the good <laughs> shit like that. Have someone else negotiate contracts because he seems to have a goddamn soft spot for these guys. <laughs> Hurdle, obviously, I think has to be the big worry right now. UFA at the end of the year, whether or not he'll stay. Um, If he doesn't stay, uh, here's the thing with Hurdle. I'll probably get a hell of a lot of heat with Sharks fans about it. Do not sign that man above eight, nine mil. At all. And I and some people are saying sign him no matter what. No. Not with his injury history, not with his knees. That's fair. You cannot do that if you're if you're doing it long term. And if and if we're looking to be a 500 team or or you know at least around this level that we're playing, at, I mean seven six is one is not great. We started fine, but again you start falling off when teams start to figure it out. Probably trade bait and should be traded and as high as possible and get as much back as possible because we're not even sure if he wants to resign. Don't let him Tavares us. There. <laughs> You mentioned Kevin LeBanc a couple times. Over He's here. got two years left after this at four seven two five. I'd imagine from the look on your face, you're like, yeah, he could he could go soon, please. Yeah, I would. I've I you know what? I was kind of since that contract was signed, I was saying this guy needs to get traded. Um, mostly last season when no one was playing good, he started out much better this season when the power play in the first couple games he was blasting it from the point. Yeah, the shot like no other was just burying you know shots but again he's falls into the the thing he just cannot do it on a consistent level and he doesn't bring anything else to the table they're gonna play him on the fourth line to try to kick him in the ass and get his two-way game going but he doesn't have enough of that it seems he'll disappear on nights and yeah so they got that's he got his handshake deal from that one by one and it's another thing that's gonna cost the sharks We'll ignore Evander Kane for now, because that's an entirely different situation as we move on to the defense. Eric Carlson, yeah. he's obviously not going anywhere, and I'm sure you're more content with that deal now than you were, because he's been playing yeah. better. Still Brent overpaid. Burns <laughs> but yeah. is likely not going anywhere at $8 million for three more years. Like he, he likely stays unless you retain a good amount. Have you seen his uh, wins above replacement? I haven't. It's at 71%. It shocked me. I, I don't know. I it, Yeah, it shocked the hell out of me. Um, his wins above replacement. He's still really good at play driving. Obviously not great uh, even strength defense. 
that's you know never been part of his game. But I was legitimately surprised to still that to see that st- his wins above replacement was still at that sort of high of a level and his uh, even strength offense as well. I think in the 80s, 80 percentile, very very solid. And it's kind of nuts that he's continuing to do that now into his later 30s, and it's making his contract look. Not great still, but it's much, much better than it could have been. So that brings me to the entire reason I wanted to ask you about numerous people on the team. Because again, mm. ignore Evander Kane, because I think we, we have to, right? I mean, there's a decent shot that he gets he gets bought out in some way, shape, or form. But if we don't factor Evander Kane into the situation, Mark Edward Vlasic, four more years at seven mil. Four after He's this? 34. Four, he's got four more years after this. Fuck me. At seven mil, he is 34 years old. Yeah. He has to be like, he has to be the guy that gets bought out, right? Like, honestly, I mean, if like he and Kane, like, it's just, you got to assess the risk, right? Yeah. And here's the thing for Mark Edward Vlasic, the cap hit honestly isn't that bad in my opinion. So if you were to buy him out, heading in the next year, he'd cost about 3.7 in terms of a cap hit. Mm-hmm. Then 1.4. But then he's got that weird bounce back for two years. So it goes 3-6, and then 1-6 for four years after that. Yeah, that's that's too much. I'd still do it, though. I wouldn't. If it is, So that was my question for you. Mm-hmm. Is he that much of an anchor that it makes that buyout worth it or not? And your answer seems to be no. I would say no. I would say continue to try to play him with another pairing that could lift him up and carry his ass mm-hmm. and not not a offensive defenseman because Vlasic simply isn't the shutdown that he once was. However, if you think back to Vlasic's career and where he would always succeed the most, it was with another responsible defenseman, um, Scott Hannon. I think he even played with Rob Blake for a bit of time. Uh, Justin Braun. These are all other solid defensemen that he's had the most success with. And I think if you can find him one of these guys, whether it's a uh, Hataka or um, a Malosh, someone of this regard who can just boost his play up enough, because it's not Shimmick. It clearly isn't Shimmick. Just someone who could, that, that's another issue. Shimmick's being paid like two and a half. Um, when he mm. was the Wookiee Whisperer, when he was the guy playing with Burns, and they were incredible together. Um, well, that's our third title and, option. And then, he had, then he had the <laughs> knee thing. Oh, Shark's knees are in great shape. Jumbo's knees, Hurdle's knees, Shimmick's knees. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, so that's the thing. My my best bet is you know go go the statistical growth road with Flasic. Try to boost his ass up so that someone maybe wants him in a trade and is you know crazy enough to take a chance on him. I just don't for see Colorado it as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Like I said, I wanted to get your opinion on that for Colorado as well. Um, Alex Newhook scored his first goal. Sam Girard, who's been in trade talks, apparently scored his first. I think that would be an incredibly dumb decision uh, to move on from him. But they also lost JT Comfort to injury with an upper body injury because yep. I'll never say what it is. He was tied for the team lead in goals with five, and again McKinnon's out as well. So the Avs are at six five and one. Uh, we'll see how much in terms of playoff positioning that these early injuries uh, really kind of affect them heading down the stretch. The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Vancouver Canucks 7-4. Back-to-back games with the Canucks allowing seven goals. 
Uh, Evgeny Dodonov scored his fourth and fifth of the year. Marchesso scored his eighth and became the first player in Golden Knights history to reach 100 goals for the club. It would have been Wild Bill Carlson, but he had some injury troubles. Carlson sits at 97. Um, incredible these two haven't been traded yet based off of how <laughs> Vegas works. Vegas yeah. high That was my rollers. thought. The all-time leading scorer in Vegas Golden Knights history has 99 goals because they trade anyone before they can hit 100. <laughs> it wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> um, for the Canucks as well, only positives. JT Miller's seventh, Hoaglander's third and fourth. Again, Canucks fans, we'll see you at the end of the show here. Um, and the final game on Saturday, we talked about a great moment for Zach Fucale. This was another moment that you will see at end-of-season highlight reels. Uh, Minnesota beat Seattle 4-2. Rem Pitlick scored his first three career goals for a hat trick in the same game, which is just cool as shit. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what a, like, come on, man. Like, that's unbelievable. And, I mean, Rem Pitlick, you know, it's Tyler's cousin, by the way. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was the third-round pick of Nashville in 2016. He was really good uh, for the Golden Gophers in Minnesota. Like, a, his final NCAA year, he had 45 points in 38 games. Jeez. That's pretty goddamn good. And he did okay in the AHL. And then last year, just couldn't really get it clicking with Nashville. And then they moved on. And, um, you know, there have been at times, I, I want to shout out, um, we'll, we'll go with, with friend of the channel, one Mr. Wild Hockey 74 uh, also on Twitch.tv, but at the same name. Um, but... You know, he, he made the point, and I, I agree with him, that uh, Bill Guerin, granted, is a is a controversial kind of guy at the moment, but Bill Guerin, in terms of talent assessment, I mean, Endo, it's, you know, you could call it a fluke, or you could say, oh, shit, that was, that was actually a well-timed kind of target to be like, oh, this guy was good in the NCAA, he didn't make it with Nashville, let's go get this guy. And we see that happen with a lot of different teams, right? I mean, hell, not exactly a similar situation, but you look at Toronto and they're just like, well, Andre Kosh is good if he's healthy. Let's give him a shot. So far, so good. So, I mean, it takes talent for a GM to be like, yeah, hey, let's give a guy a shot. Yeah, another thing, too, is some players do well in some systems and they don't do in others. Uh, example, um, Zach Fukali getting called up, finally getting his chance to play, is a clear testament to him being buried between franchises with tons of goaltender depth and that takes a toll on you especially um mm. everything going on and having to go from a to e to a to e to overseas for a little bit and then coming back and all that uh, to, to get back on track a little bit sometimes the one place you go isn't the best place for you and it takes a lot to realize that as well and for GMs to go take a chance on someone like that is it's big. It's huge. It's definitely um, a good thing that he was able to find a team that can use him for his skills and what he has to offer. And I'm happy for him. We'll move on to Sunday last night of games that we had to talk about here on the show. And this is where we'll get into some of those uh, some of those heavier topics, so to speak. Not necessarily heavy, but like more discussion-based, I'd say. The Calgary Flames beat the Ottawa Senators 4 to nothing. Dan Vladar 
former uh, Boston Bruin, gets his first career shutout, which was great to see. Andrew Mangiapane scored his 10th. Uh, Elias Lindholm is 8th, Matthew Kachuk is 7th, uh, and Walker Dewar became the first South Dakotan, I think that's what you call yourselves, to play in the NHL, which was pretty cool. And also, like, okay, so for Calgary, they're 8-3-4, and four. they've been better than a lot of people expected, this was a positive win, yes, the Sens were beat to shit, and we're about to get to that. Um, this is a good weekend for them, like, they get this win, uh, Jerome McGinley went to the Hockey Hall of Fame, which was awesome. Like, I just just loved seeing, like, here's Jerome again with this plaque. Like, yes. Just, yes. It, it, was, it was great. But for the Sens, this COVID outbreak that we talked about earlier uh, last week, it's gotten worse. Um, Ten players out. Uh, associate coach Jack Capuano. Yes, Islanders fans. That's where he ended up. Also out. Their AHL team was completely decimated in terms of call-ups. Um, they call up someone like Eric Brandstrom, he breaks his hand. It's been a disaster, and it's gotten to the point now where the NHL uh, has postponed their next three games in a move that I've seen a lot of Sens fans essentially say, like, why the hell did it take this much for them to make that call? And in a way, I, I can understand, like, the NHL side of things to try and hold off until like, it's very obvious that you can't hold off anymore because of how much three postponed games can kind of disrupt the entirety of the schedule. Like, it doesn't just affect the Sens. It affects the three teams they were scheduled to play. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a domino effect, certainly. But it's, it's unfortunate that obviously in terms of professional sports, I mean, for the most part, you know, for, uh, for whatever reason, like, we really haven't seen this happen, which is a positive thing, but then also it leads to some distrust of some of the sports leagues to be like, okay, this is the first team this has happened to yeah. since things have really opened back up. Um, obviously, like the, the the base layer of this is that you hope everyone within the Sens organization is okay, but it's... it, it like th- There's a lot to it, right? Like It is kind of shocking that it took this much, 10 players going down with COVID and other injuries For the NHL, it'd be like, okay, we can't possibly do this. But on the flip side, like I mentioned, it is a little bit understandable. I, yeah, for me, it's like they, I think when they had like five people out, I heard talks already of like, how are they going to let these games be played? How are they doing this? And like over here in the West Coast, where where Sharks fans, but we're sitting here like, we have seven, we had seven players out. We played five games with missing seven players and our head coach. What the hell was the conversation about the rescheduling? Like, I it's so crazy how, like, the East and Canada especially, all of a sudden, like, these bad things happen, and it's fucking stop the presses. We have to change something. We, we need a rule change. We need – like, I can understand to a point, but, like, I for me, in, in a rare case here, I understand the NHL side more than anything. And, yeah, you have to stop it when it gets to a point, but people's anger at the NHL, it's like – also, what kind of precedent would that set? If they're missing five players, like, all right, we'll postpone your games. Meanwhile, you have other teams. Like I said, the Avalanche had some issues. The Sharks missing seven players and a coach. If you don't postpone their games, you know, what does that say? Like, do you care more about these teams, these Canadian teams and stuff? So I understand why they did it. That's just a horrible string of bad luck. Fortunately, organizational depth-wise, the Sharks had what it took to at least field, you know, two teams at once. But yeah, with the Ottawa thing. Pretty rough, but I'm assuming they probably don't have. I don't know what. How many players under contract does that organization have? 
Because that's... Uh, I can check Cap Friendly real quickly and compare it to San Jose. I mean, there's also the factor as well of, you know, how many uh, AHL guys, like, they have under contract there. Not Ottawa, that's, but the team itself yeah, in Belleville. That's what I meant. How yeah. many people they might have. Uh, the Sens, 46 out of 50 contracts. The Sharks, 46 out of 50 huh. as well. But I presume different injury struggles and, yeah. uh, again, maybe different... Uh, amount of guys like I know the Belleville Sens just had to make a trade as well if I'm not mistaken I think it was with Rockford wow and because AHL of these injuries trade. wow yeah the, the rare AHL only deal I think was also just made this past week as yeah, well are there so. AHL GMs I mean I guess there's gotta be yeah yeah <laughs> what the fuck do they do <laughs> um they managed it's... uh it's it's really weird when you look at it so the AHL has contracts for the NHL, AHL contract, two weeks there. Yeah. They have their AHL contracts, and they have their AHL, ECHL contracts. Mm. So they manage mm-hmm. all three. So on a given period of time, you can have a certain max amount of players can be playing on the ice that are AHL players, like either AHL or ECHL, because it it's still development league. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the mo- the big point of it is to develop prospect for the NHL. So yeah. they're they prioritize having more NHL players instead of having more a- AHL or ECHLers. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Last time I checked, it was you have to have you can have like a max amount of like I think it's like eight or ten AHL players on there, and if you're if you're like a veteran, you get exempt from that, I believe. And on like a roster uh, per for game night, and it's like there's there's a lot of like different rules, different like things to figure out. It's very confusing when you look at it from like a outside perspective, but once you break it down a little bit, it makes a little bit more sense. Okay. You just have to manage like three different tiers all at the exact same time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like for example, like there are some teams where, like Ottawa, for example, who's the GM of the Belleville Sens? Pierre Dorian, he manages both. Like he has essentially a complete organizational control. On the flip side, for the Sharks, it's a man by the name of Joe Will. Yep, who has been with the Sharks since 1990. I guess he was the director of scouting, and he's not anymore. Yes, he was the director of scouting for. Dude, he was so Joe Will of the Sharks. uh, Again, he's been there since day one. Essentially, yeah, was the director of scouting until '97. Was then the assistant GM mm-hmm. until 2004, then the director of hockey operations until 2011, and then the assistant general manager until 2013-14 when he then also started uh, being the manager of the AHL club. And then in 1920, he was vice president of the Sharks. Uh, he's he's done everything for that organization and for the Leafs. Um, the GM of that team is a man by the name of Ryan Hardy. Mm-hmm who uh, is actually only 35. He is a former scout for the Boston Bruins uh, and also serves as the director of hockey operations for the Leafs and is GM of the Marlies and the Growlers. Reminded so it's, it's different. It's okay. different depending on okay. organization. Cool. Yeah, reminder um, that... how um, they split that up. Yeah, reminder that Kyle Dubas was a former GM of the Toronto Marlies. So that's why like it works. they work in tandem, basically, together. Yeah. So, so usually you would you'd have a guy who's a rep of like the NHL team work with the AHL team or the ECHL in this case. Uh, like for example, recently there was an issue with the Newfoundland Growlers where they had to relocate due to some sort of issue happening at home with their arena, and they were gonna bring them over here to Toronto and play in Coca-Cola Coliseum, formerly Rico Coliseum. But then they like they, they work very close together in a way. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
we'll move on to this next interesting uh, discussion point here. The Edmonton Oilers beat the St. Louis Blues 5-4 to on Sunday night. Connor McDavid scored his 10th of the season, and with that, he became the 6th fastest player to hit 600 points. That's Connor insane. McDavid has 600 points How already, everybody. Fuck? That's insane. I just saw that. I saw that number. I was just like, what? So the only people ahead of him, Wayne Gretzky hit 600 points in 274 games. <laughs> God damn, the 80s were wild. Not Mario Lemieux wild. did it in 323. Peter Stashney in 394. Mike Bossy, 400 games on the dot. Yari Curry, 419. And then Connor at 421 games played. And he's still not that points. far off. Like, yeah. that's the insane part. How, like, all those guys, like, two different eras, essentially, separate yeah. him from them. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, like, you notice how it's not like, oh, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. Like, Connor McDavid is doing stuff that we have not seen since the 80s, 90s era. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. Reminder as well. Reminder that uh, he did this on uh, that Edmonton Oilers team, uh, who that's they're now really becoming a proper contender. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, aside from that one playoff, yeah, uh, kind of run where they ended up playing the Ducks and whatever. Like, and aside from that, yeah, that's it for Connor McDavid as well. Here's his trajectory. It took him 92 games to get 100 points. It took him 82 games to go from 100 points to 200. It took him 68 games to go from 200 to 300. 67 games from 300 to 400. 64 games from 400 to 500. 53 games to go from 500 to 600. We are witnessing something special, everybody. I love it. We've talked about this on the show. The idea that you've got to see, like, again, you grow up, depending on how old you are listening to the show, and it's, oh, man, you hear from, from family, like, oh, I got to watch Sydney, or I got to watch Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux in their primes. It was awesome. People of our generation are getting to see Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin in their primes, and we are all getting to witness Connor McDavid's yeah. career this is incredibly special he's un goddamn believable <laughs> yeah i i make a point to to watch as many oilers games that i can just because mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous like and and honestly you can watch highlights and they're amazing but you have to watch what he does the rest of the game too because it's he is a ridiculous not not just a ridiculous player a ridiculous hockey mind like you you can just see the way he moves the way he tries to make things happen he's just light years above anyone else and the re everyone's like the reason he tries these things to us that seem impossible is because in his mind like it it can work it will work and he's just multiple steps ahead of anyone else not (laughs) mind and skating speed wise it's uh, it's absolutely i can't wait because he if you consider it he's not even quite in his prime yet He's about to hit his prime. One or two years, he'll be officially in his prime. What's he going to be doing then? (laughs) I'm afraid. I can't wait. I'm afraid, too, because that brings us into talking about John Tortorella. Now, Sin mentioned earlier in the Oilers-Bruins game, like literally one of the worst examples I've ever seen of a a non-call on a tripping pen. 
And John Tortorella's comments can essentially uh, be summed up as saying, shut up and adapt. Shut up and dribble. Which, basically. <laughs> John Tortorella is an interesting character. It's very obvious, though, that he still has some, some hot takes in him. He's not wrong in a sense of, yeah, in the playoffs, you're not going to sit there and score seven goals a game. But the reason why that's not going to happen is because we all know the rules are called differently. The rules change in the playoffs, and that does not necessarily benefit someone like Connor McDavid, who is constantly uh, on the receiving end of infractions that go uncalled. Mm -hmm. that, that's what it comes down to. And I don't view it as wrong for Connor McDavid to uh, kind of reference the fact that that happens because it does happen. And I'd, I'd hazard to guess that you couldn't go more than two games, maybe even one, of watching the Oilers at, you know, and not seeing Connor McDavid be on the receiving end of an infraction that goes uncalled. Yeah. He's just too goddamn fast. He's too goddamn good. And that's the only way for a lot of people to keep up with him. So, yeah, I don't think anyone here is going to necessarily agree with John Tortorella's particular comments on the matter because it's ridiculous and we all kind of know it. Like, again, what was it? Has it been like 16 straight playoff games or something like that that McDavid hasn't drawn a call? Or it, there was some crazy stat like that in the aftermath of the, the kind of postseason there where it, it's absurd. And now even in the regular season, you're seeing examples like this. So... I don't think it's on Connor McDavid to adapt. I think it's on the NHL to actually call their goddamn rules. Yeah, it's on the NHL to take advantage of what they have in front of them. And that's something that the NHL, I think, is the worst at, is promoting their own product. From blackout restrictions to in the playoffs, they seem to want to favor these fucking, like, working class hero shit. This blue call, like, these fucking fourth line plugs they want to turn into the stars in the playoffs. And that's just completely backwards. You should the stars should be the ones shining underneath the brightest of lights. Now, if you know me, you know I love me some blue collar hockey. I love role players. I you know I love the simple shit. But at the same time, that's when that's when the stars should be able to take over a game. If again, I'm all for you know let the boys play or whatever, but not at the expense of you know completely altering the game to that degree whereas again i think i think in the six games or whatever that they played last uh last season in the playoffs Connor mcdavid drew zero penalties which is absurd um absolutely absurd because again he's constantly getting you know as you mentioned infractions and it i mean once every couple games he, he's drawing a penalty that actually gets called not to mention all the other ones i mean it's just it doesn't doesn't make sense and you're doing it wrong if if you're if you're not you know, and we heard it a couple years ago when when it was, yeah. I mean, we don't know how much we we know for a fact. We have numbers to back up for McDavid. When it came to the Leafs, too, a lot of people are complaining about that. Why should we have to, you know, be be become gritty? Why should we have to get sandpaper on our lineup? We're one of the most skilled teams in the regular season, and then you know, here come the playoffs, and they can't get it done. Now, some of that is truth. Other is they they do lack some effort up and down their lineup. But Connor McDavid's a fucking machine. And when you when you're averaging 1.6 points per game in the regular season and like 1.06 or something in the playoffs, that's not just because the game is harder. Connor McDavid is never playing a hard game. He he's on easy mode when he's out there. So mm. it, it shouldn't you know 
lowering itself by, you know, like about, uh, I'm not going to try to do percentage a lot. <laughs> that's a big fucking <laughs> gap. People statistical people will tell you that's a big goddamn gap. And that's above a reasonable doubt. That's above, um, just, you know, things tightening up and playing the better teams that it's, it's, it's too much. So call the fucking rule book because injuries are bad in the playoffs too. headshots going uncalled. It's not just let the stars shine. It's make the game safe so that those stars have long careers and don't end up taking the route of someone like Sidney Crosby, who could have had this incredible career if it had not been for the concussions he faced and other injuries that he's had to deal with in which he's still performing like a god at times. So, yeah, that's my that's my rant on the subject right there. And it's going to suck because he's in my goddamn division. But you know what? I love hockey more than I love the Sharks. I mean, God, who was it that had that hot take on the weekend that basically said the opposite? <laughs> there was someone who had, like, the ultimate hot take. I'm trying to find it. Um, basically the opposite in terms of the McDavid stuff where it was, no, you know, People care more about their their teams than they do the actual sport. So, oh, he deleted it too. Uh, no. Uh, oh, it was Arthur Staple, by the way, who was an Islanders reporter for the Athletic. Who I normally don't mind, but that was uh, Arthur. You got to stand by it. Like I didn't delete my McDavid tweet. You got to stand by those <laughs> hot takes, buddy. Oof. Oof. And are you want to wax poetic about uh, McDavid, or should we talk about the the little bit from the rest of this game? He's good. Um... <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thank you. Um, Leon Dreisaitl scored his 15th of the year in that game, which was also absurd. Ryan McLeod scored his first. Uh, there's an interesting stat as well about Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He got his first goal of the year. He had the fifth most assists all time before scoring a goal to start the season. He had 17 assists, no goals. Are you sure you don't want to call the him old- trash before we uh, figure that out, too? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to vortech the young man? <laughs> One goal, he's trash. Endless trash. Oh, God. But the people ahead of him, like Marcel Dion had 18 assists, no goals. Andrew Castles <laughs> for the Whalers. Had 20 assists, no goals. Uh, Capitals legend Martin Erat, 21 assists, no goals. Oh, yeah. And Alex Del Vecchio of the Wings, 22 assists, zero goals. Uh, eventually, one guy? goal, 22 assists. Who's D- Del Vecchio? D- when was he playing? D- he's he's a fucking legend. You're about to piss off a lot of Red Wings fans. Uh-oh. <laughs> I kind of remember the name, but I can't remember when he was playing because I th- there's a while there the Sharks and the Wings were constantly... F- 50s until the early 70s oh, for yeah, Del no Vecchio. fucking cares. I'm just kidding, sorry. <laughs> that is Hockey Hall of Famer Alex Del Vecchio, sir. God damn you. Do boomers listen to podcasts? No, they listen to the radio, too. There's no one coming at me. Oh, I I am upset that you dare insult Fats Del Vecchio. I'm pissed. He, he beat What's me to that nickname. Fats from the Del Vecchio? 50s. Yeah, his nickname was Fats. 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 Like, what, what is up with that? <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Who Fats. the fuck? I'm upset that he took that nickname from me. I can't take it now. (laughs) Sorry. God. I was waiting to play that sound. It's fat. (laughs) Oh, my God. Go eat another Uh, donut. Go eat another donut. Another donut. (laughs) (laughs) You fat pig. (laughs) That's an all-timer clip as well. That's so good. Oh, my God. Man, can we name the episode Fats now? Um... (laughs) 
with a, he's fat with a ph <laughs> Uh, for the Blues, like, hey, again, I mentioned them earlier, but like Tarasenko and Cairo keep scoring. Uh, they also called up Scott Perunovic, uh, who won the Hobie Baker as a defenseman oh, yeah. in the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, he is dominating the AHL. Dude, he had 20 points in 12 games as a defenseman. How many as a rookie? How many assists? In the, all of them. <laughs> all, all assists. All 20 points. <laughs> so he's trash, is what you're saying. Trash. Plus trash. Didn't score. What oh, good are you? God. All right. <laughs> Goodness, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need a T-shirt that says. But how many assists, though? Many assists? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do as well. He's been highly touted for a long time. Oh my god! A uh, few more games here to talk about. Uh, Canucks fans, here's your here's your warning coming up. Uh, but the Bruins beat the Habs five two on Sunday. By the way, the Bruins don't play again until Saturday. What's up with the Ridiculous. Bruins' schedule this year? What Their the schedule has been a Abysmal. I, I'm so mad because after the Olympics, I'm quite sure they play like every other day until the end of the season. It's fucking stupid. Um, but the Habs are up 2-1. The Bruins had a dominant third uh, in a game that we affectionately call Charlie Knight uh, because Charlie McAvoy had his second and third goals of the year. That's the first time he's had a two-goal game in his career, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and then Charlie Coyle scored his fourth and fifth. One of the goals was off of the weirdest bounce I've ever seen. So four goals by a Charlie. Uh, and then Taylor Hall had an empty netter for his fourth of the year on his birthday, which was cool. For the Habs, well, you suck. And uh, Yoel Armia finally scored his first of the year because the Habs suck this year. Can we all talk about trash. Taylor Hall and how he's in his 30s and how that is not okay? Because I it was just felt like the other day that he was being drafted and played on the Oilers. What the fuck? Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, roster editing-wise, I got to uh, Dallas last night, and I'm like, oh, cool, Tyler Sagan's about to be 30. And then I, I immediately felt myself age, Hello, like, Dr. 16 Smile, years and half friend. a second. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's the worst. Um, it, interesting talking point out of all of these last three games. We'll start off with the Rangers beating the Devils 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, Adam Fox is fourth. Lafreniere, we shit-talked him. He has four goals on the year now. Um, for the Devils, Jesper Bratt and Dougie Hamilton each have four goals. Pavel Zaka, who we mentioned before, has seven. Uh, there was a crazy shootout as well. Again, the Rangers ended up winning. Thomas Tatar got robbed by Georgia, but it was nuts. But what everyone's talking about coming out of this game is that Kapokako scored his first of the year. But was it goalie interference? And I was asked about this, and I say no. Now, Let me look it up. Yeah, yeah, for those, if, if you guys didn't get to see the goal, feel free to check it out. Uh, also, for those listening, feel free to check it out as well. The The gist of it is that Kapakako, who I believe is a righty, is charging down to his right side of the net on a net drive, pulls backhand to the left, and scores right at the top of the crease. But there is contact with Jonathan Bernier, and people are debating. Now, it wasn't challenged. Uh, but people are debating whether or not, A, it should have been challenged, and B, whether or not it's a penalty. From the 14th, right? Yes. So to me, I don't view that goal as goalie interference, because if it is, you're essentially saying that any contact with a goalie is goalie interference, and that essentially it's not worth anybody to drive the net like that. Why is this being debated? That's nowhere close know. to goaltender interference, dude. That's the I, goalie was fucking I think, beat. Like by the time contact I think was because, 
That's, yeah, that's what I see as well. Now, look, yes, Jonathan Bernier does get hit in the head on the play. Why is he hitting the head on the play? He's in the butterfly. So that doesn't help. That's very similar to Antti Ranta uh, when he got floored by Ryan Lomberg. Why did he get hit in the head? Well, he dropped to one knee as he's trying to clear the puck over to the boards. I don't view this as a penalty. Like I said, no. it's it's kind of in that gray area where it's obvious the intention for Capocacco wasn't to disrupt his ability to make a save. <clears throat> he was scoring a goal. And if you're going to say that any contact with a goalie is goaltender interference, then number one, the rule has to be changed. And secondly, that's uh, that's a dangerous line to walk. For those of you who played EASHL when NHL 22 first came out, were you a big fan of how goalie interference worked in the game where any minor bit of contact resulted in a goal being called off? I don't think you were, which is why EA changed it. I, I'm perfectly fine with this being a goal. I really wanted a more controversial goal so that I could say, technically, Kako hasn't scored a goal. Like, God damn it. It's, you really <laughs> fucked me on this one. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand how that's even debated and how that's even a debate. It's kind of nuts yeah. to me, but all right. Endo? Endo? Yeah, okay. So as a resident goalie of the podcast, I'm looking at this yes. right now, like frame by frame, going back and forth. You can hear me clicking. I'm sorry. But click, click. His head's there. He's trying to track the puck. Uh, right, as, right as Kappa makes contact with him in the head. That is non-intentional contact, obviously. Uh, it looks nasty, but um, the way I'm seeing it right now, let me see. I'm looking for the... See if they give you a back angle better. Okay, so he's scurrying up to the puck. He's already down low uh, for some reason. Not in the low. Uh, bad read. Uh, goes dangles left. Gets hit in the head, but the goal goes in. I think he's selling that a little bit. I think Jonathan Bernier is selling that a little bit more than what it actually was. Did he leave the game after that or no? Did he stay in the game? Yeah. He left the yeah, game? he did. Probably. No, you feel uh, like an asshole. No. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No. I get, I get run I like mean, someone can get hurt on yeah. the play and still in a way. like I don't think that's mutually exclusive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To no. sit there and try to exaggerate the contact in effort to draw a call, but that you also still get hurt on the play. I don't think that's that's impossible, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, again, I, I view this as as a good goal with an unfortunate outcome, you know? Similar to the Ryan Lomberg thing where unfortunate outcome, but I don't see a penalty there. Yeah, hazard yeah. of the position is what I like to call it sometimes. Uh, sometimes when uh, I'll get a puck to the head when I'm playing, like it's like, fuck, I got a puck to the head, play stops, the game's not going to breathe. But at the same time, it's a hazard of the position. You're putting yourself in line there. You have enough gear to protect yourself as much as you can. But sometimes that protection isn't always enough. And it's unfortunate that uh, he went down. That was Blackwood that went down, actually, because Bernier came back to play the shootout. Um, I just look back. Uh, and I just, yeah, it's, it's a hazard of the position. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... The best way to sum it up, to be honest. Then there was another incident on Sunday as the Capitals beat the Penguins 6-1. to one. Oh, uh, In that game, Caps get goals from like Hathaway, Sprong, Sherry, all their third of the year, coincidentally. Kuznetsov is uh, sixth, Wilson is fourth. But the Penguins, Jake Gensel scored his fourth. But the, the thing here, the player everyone's talking about is Martin Fehervari of the Caps. He scored his second of the year, but he was involved in an incident with Sidney Crosby. Boys, if you didn't see this one, feel free to look it. it up as well. Oh, that's funny. It's so funny. <laughs> so I view this. <laughs> no longer, man. Now, there was no penalty on the play. There's no follow-up discipline. But basically, 
Uh, Fehavari and Crosby are almost kind of interlocked, heading below the goal line as the puck is, is kind of in front of the Caps goal and going the other way. I'm not going to say that there's necessarily interference on the play, but essentially Fehavari and Crosby again interlocked. Fehavari is in a sense blocking Crosby from getting to where he wants to be, and Sid's response to that was to grab a hold of Fehavari and essentially throw him into the ice, which coincidentally also went into the boards. Um, how this wasn't a penalty, I don't know. Like, this is easily a roughing call. It does not help the idea of favoritism towards a superstar like Sidney Crosby. Go figure. Um, yeah, it, it should have been a pen. I don't necessarily view it as a suspension. I'd be okay with it being a one-game suspension since there wasn't a penalty. Like, something should have happened. It is a penalty to lash out like that. Um uh, yeah, it's, it's that's all I got. I, I don't understand how that wasn't a penalty. It's not cool. I don't think Sid should be getting, you know, a multi-game suspension for that. But at the end of the day, uh, interesting to see Sidney Crosby lose his temper at the very least. Yeah, it's, I'd say it should be fined. Um, I, I think a suspension is kind of pushing it in that regard. Um, but then again, I, I don't know. That, that could be a dangerous play. Like, But for me, it's all about... It's the game context. Like they're they're behind. Um, obviously, kind of frustrated, and he pulls that kind of shit. Like <laughs> clearly, mm. you know, it's Fervari is just playing playing right. That's all he's doing. He's you know good. He's holding body position. He's you know literally doing his job as a defenseman. And Crosby frustrated grabs him and throws him to the ice, which is a non hockey play. So yeah, it either it, it has to be called or he's you know find a minute. You know you know actually yeah. Non-hockey play, I would be on board with a one-game suspension as well. because Mainly because of the game context and the fact that it's just plain and simple a non-hockey play. Endo, your thoughts on the play? Uh, I, I looked at it. I'm still looking at it right now. I see where he makes. You gonna give us a frame by frame here too? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll summarize it really. <laughs> no, really don't quickly. do that. I, I got. Please I got don't. a dinner. I got a dinner to go to. Okay, I won't. So he, I see with the <laughs> slew foot connection, the connection of the foot. It was probably because he tried to adjust, so it was gonna go right and uh, to angle himself to go behind the net. Uh, foot got tangled up and thrown. That was a that was a yeet. That wasn't even like a throw. That was a yeet. Yeah. Um, I think giving him a, a fine would have been better, uh, but no call. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's a controversial one for sure. And then we'll move on to our, our final game as well. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks beating the Vancouver Canucks 5-1. to one. Trevor Zegers is third and fourth of the year. Troy Terry gets an assist on one of those goals for his now 14-game point streak. The Ducks win their seventh in a row and have points in their last nine. For the Canucks, uh, Nils Hoaglander scored his fifth. I mentioned him, I think, in all three Canucks games that we brought up. Tucker Pullman, by the way, was also only suspended two games. And again, like if if that's the rule, if Tucker Pullman can only get two games for hitting someone in the head, then hey, yeah, Sidney Crosby shouldn't even get a penalty there. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. There you go. There's your consistency. Um, he tried to surreptitiously McSorley a guy, and he gets two games. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's it's I again. I know we're kind of pressed for time now at this point in the show. I am still furious. Yeah. Like, absolutely furious that that's the standard of saying, yes, only two games for Tucker Pullman. That is a joke. That is an absolute joke. The Canucks are also an absolute joke. Um, in the last eight games, I believe this was posted before Sunday's game, 
Uh, their penalty kill in their prior eight games uh, was 55%, and their power play was less than 10. This team needs to do something because they are sinking fast. Mm. Um, the obvious answer in the short term, even though he recently signed an extension, seems to be Travis Green, because I don't know if right now would be the time where they'd want to get rid of Jim Benning. On the flip side of that, you look at their contract situation, where, yes, you just got Patterson back on a pretty damn good deal, but Brock Besser is an RFA at the end of the year. The problem is that defense. They are paying a grand total to their defense. Let's see. It's $7.26 million for Oliver ekman Larson for five years after this. Tyler Myers is making $6 million for two years after this. Tucker Pullman is making 2.5 against the cap for the next three years. I mean, just on that alone, that's 15.76 million tied up in players like that. This team, they need a change of direction. They need something. Yeah. The coaching, the, the, the leadership. Canucks fans, I know I kind of tease, like, oh, yeah, we'll go in on you. But the problem is we, we can't because you know how fucked up it is. Everyone outside of Vancouver knows how fucked up of a situation this is. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah, um, I'm just going to go out and say that. If they don't improve anything, uh, Pedersen's gone after that year three. There's no way sticking I around. Be. I mean, yeah. the, the way he held out, the way he takes that bridge deal, even for less money, that's, that's just him begging the team to get to get guys around him. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, I as well as at least – some things are saying that that Myers and Ekman Larson pairing are kind of working out at least okay-ish. At the same time, what you traded three expiring deals to get that Ekman Larson contract. I don't I, I still don't get that move from a cap management standpoint. How the f- fuck do you do that? It's insane. Their defense as well. I mean, Absolutely Aside from insane. that, it's Brad Hunt, Kyle Burrows, Madison Bowie as depth defensemen because, like, Luke Shen's hurt, but even then you're relying on Luke Shen. Uh, Brady Keeper as a depth option. Travis Hamnick is in kind of limbo still at the moment. That defense is awful on paper. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. And they didn't make it better this offseason, really. I don't care how well OBL's playing. Is he playing like a $7.2 million defenseman? Probably not. Something has to happen, and I legitimately thought that we would see a change today, and I think that's what a lot of Canucks fans were hoping for, and it's been radio silence. How much longer do they give Travis Green? That's my question to you guys. Not how much longer should he get, because he's the easy guy. How much longer do you think the Canucks hold on to this? Because how can you? Like how how can you possibly just be like, yep, this is this is gonna change? I just I still don't think it's that issue. Like I when I when I see the problem with the, with the Canucks, I really I really view it as a management problem. Yeah, well, see the problem is though there too, and not to cut you off, but whenever a new GM's brought in, do they, how often do they keep the coach that they didn't name? That's very true. Jim yeah. Benning goes, Travis Green's gone too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess unless there's a push from ownership to be like, oh, we want to save money, keep Travis for now. <laughs> I don't think the Canucks are going to be worried about money. Um, they seem to be one of those organizations never short on it. But yeah, it's, I mean, they're going to fire the coach. And if, if things don't improve, I mean, 
if I'm ownership, you have to look at Benning at some point. He hasn't drafted poorly by any means. In fact, some of them have been pretty good finding some of that talent in the places that he's found them where they've gotten boned by different lotteries and stuff like that. However, I don't know. The signings, the trades, everything else is extremely questionable uh, coming out of that office. Especially this last one. I don't care how good OEL may be playing with Tyler Morrow. That's still 13 plus million between two guys who are not worth 13 plus million. They're simply not. You're going to have to get points out of that pairing. They can't just be good analytically and not great analytically. They're good analytically. So, I mean, it's just not enough. And you trade three guys on expiring contracts, which would have freed up like 10 mil at least, I think, off all those three. It was like three mil for Beagle. Erickson was at like six and... Mm-hmm. Roussel was at, oh my God, it was even more than 10 mil. Good yeah. Lord. <laughs> yeah. Endo, your thoughts on the Canucks here as we look to wrap up this show? Uh, I, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, just. Seriously, though, what do you got? Yeah, it's, oh. it's a mess. I, I, there's not, there's nothing else to say that hasn't been said. It's just like you're ruining talent. Is this going to be the new Buffalo where it's just things just aren't working and they aren't going to go well? You have the, the thing is with Buffalo is here. You literally have the talent and I don't know what's going to take. If it's going to take management being like, yeah, you're gone to get this to work and get a new coaching or whatever. They need to figure out something fast because this is a team that has potential and that has prospects that are, are playing now and they're going to leave and go somewhere else. If you can't get your shit together. Yep. That's what I think. So with that, everybody, we will wind things down for today. Again, it was a very, very busy, uh, polarizing in some ways weekend in the NHL. We'll be back later this week. Look out for us on Thursday um, as well. Hopefully then. I don't know. The how many assists shirt. I'm going to make an inquiry about that. (laughs) See what we can do about some podcast merch here. Um, Yeah, for now, we are done here. We thank you very much for sticking with us, of course. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Tukey24, of course. You can find Sin basically everywhere at SinFTWProd or Productions, whatever one it may be. You can find him. Endo's out there at Endo Mills basically everywhere. Not quite clout chasing anymore, but yeah, fuck that shit. still still grinding. Yep. <laughs> still grinding. Uh, boys, I will let one of you I'll let one of you take the final word. I am done for this episode. Who's ending the show? And can you do it on a high note? I can do it on a Dan high note. Peace! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> He's left the room. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs>